Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy Cake Things. We're back, man. Episode 161. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get right into it. Fucking Jake Paul. Okay, man. Look here. At this point, dude, Jake Paul is just he's just doing money grabs. It's just a money grab, man. Some people will say it's it's genius, it's smart. But I, I think it's bullshit at this point, man. Like this guy has fought three. He fought uh Nate Robinson, some YouTuber. And now uh, Ben Askren, who looked like somebody's dad out there. <laughs> ben Askren looked like he just, I don't know. Ben Askren looked like a retired alcoholic. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It Wait, was, what is a retired alcoholic? Did they, ret- they stop drinking or what? Well, like they retired from work and now, oh, now they're didn't. like a full-time alcoholic. Oh, okay, that's cool. So Ben Askren has got the, Ben Askren is like, looked like Homer Simpson's stunt double. <laughs> that was embarrassing, man. He looked fucked up. And I think that it's kind of sad on the UFC too, because UFC is not paying the fighters what they're worth, man. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of UFC fighters are stepping outside of the ring to do some clown shit to make money. Because you got to remember, um, Conor McGregor's biggest payday was fighting Floyd. Yeah, it was not in the UFC. It was not in the octagon. Yeah. So it, it's kind of reflective off Dana, because you got to start paying these guys more, man. Ben mm-hmm. Askren, and to make it worse, Ben Askren wasn't a great striker even when he was at USC. Mm-hmm. So now he's fighting this guy who's boxing full time, and like it's just garbage, man. It's it's like WWF, and it almost like Ben Askren took a fall, but he did get fucking clocked. Jake Paul punches hard, man. He punches hard, man. But fight a boxer this time. I, I think that's so fucking corny to me. Like. Fight yeah. a boxer. Not even it, the, the boxer doesn't have to be pro. Just a guy. I know people right here in Bakersfield that'll fuck Jake Paul up. Yeah, I'm 100 percent sure they will fuck him up because he, it, he's a solid boxer, though. He's a solid boxer. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But a boxer with experience that knows how to that that knows how to slip punches, that knows your timing, gets your timing down and they they get your cadence down and all of that. They'll fuck his ass up. Yeah. Jake Paul, I mean, he's. A, I think people. I think he's a. I think he's an underrated boxer. A lot of people have this idea that he's just out here taking advantage of, uh, you know, people that don't know how to fight, which which he is doing to a certain extent. But yes, he, he actually trains, and he trains pretty hard, and you can see him um, getting better at boxing. You know, just based off of his his technique and whatnot. And the great equalizer is always going to be power. He punches. He punches pretty hard. Um, as far as the money grab thing goes, like I, I you, you could do what you want to with the with the platform you have. Um, for for me, I I I don't. I'm not that invested in the idea of like putting the respect on the sport. Um, mm. I think that there are categories of whatever, right? So if you're looking for like the for an elite ly- lyricist, you're going to go to an Eminem, you're going to go to an Andre 3000, right. you're going to go to a Jay-Z. If right. you're looking for an elite uh, athlete or sport, um, you know, as far as boxing goes, you're going to watch a, a, you know, a Earl Spence or, right. um, you know, a Ryan Garcia or somebody like that. Right. Um, and then there's also like this, there's a, there's like these, you know, kind of circus act kind of things and it's it's not jake paul's fault that he's this uh famous youtuber and people um find interest in in what he got going on um and he's just taking advantage of it i can't i can't knock anyone that's out here like you know taking Mm -hmm. advantage of 
their platform. Like there's a, the same thing happens with um, with music. I don't know if any of you out there are familiar with uh, DDG. He's a he's a YouTuber, and um, you know now he has a very you know prominent music career. He has like a few million uh, streams per month, and it's primarily you know leveraging his YouTube audience. Um, and there may be somebody out there that's like, yo, he's a YouTuber. Like, you know, why is he more popping than, uh, than me? And I'm, I'm a legit musician. I actually work on my craft and I've been working on right. my career for years. Um, it's not DDG's fault that he's popular. He just, you know, he's just taking advantage of yeah. the internet pretty much. Yeah. But, but the problem with it though, is what we're not talking about <clears throat> is this whole circus act and didn't come around to the fucking internet. Yeah. You know, the internet, like the thing about it too is. In a way, I don't want to say it's disrespectful to, to the sport, but it kind of is. Jake Paul could pop up and get $2 million for a fight, but you got Clarissa Shields that ain't getting nearly that on her in, in her fights. Yeah. And it's like you could come off the street and make more money than a fucking female boxer, the, the most elite female boxer in the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's one of the problems I have. And is that is that his fault directly? No, but it's some clown shit. I, I just think that when you have to... It's like, I don't feel like it's worth it when you are not even jeopardizing your integrity, when you don't have integrity mm-hmm. and you keep calling motherfuckers out, they can't fight, dude. That's just corny. I, I think it's corny and everyone's tired of it. And a lot of a lot of fighters are like, all right, all right, Jake, we get it, man. All right, Jake. All right. Time to fight a boxer now. Mm-hmm. Time to fight a boxer, you know, because this, this shit is too much, man. And. There was a guy that was with him that was getting into it with Tyron Woodley. He was like, yeah, you know, you a champ over there, but, you know, and your star is already falling, but you can't fuck with me in this boxing shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dog, okay, man, these are MMA fighters. They're grapplers. They're, they're Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys. Like, they, they are multifaceted fighters. They don't just use their hands. So you have an advantage by just using your hands. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. That's your, your natural deal. Mm-hmm. Floyd would never go to MMA. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't Floyd would not be quick enough, even though he's quick to get away from somebody shooting at his legs and snapping his skinny legs. He would be fucked. Mm -hmm. If you put Floyd in the ring with Connor, he would he would twist him up like a pretzel in there. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. So it's like, yo, this this same shit would happen over there, too, in the UFC. I don't know what boxer come over there and do anything. Clarissa Shields is going to uh, MMA. Yeah, but she's training legit. Yeah. Like, she's training legit on all that shit. Because she'll go over there and get the shit knocked out of her. She go over there trying to fight Amanda Nunez, Nunez will put her in the hospital. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I just think for those 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 boxers or those fighters, it's like, yo, come and fight a real fighter. I think some of it is, you know, there's a competitive uh, nature that, you know, we all have as, like, right. athletes and whatnot. So, you know, some of them is like they just want to try their hand at fighting Jake Paul. But some of it is I think it's a little bit of bitterness. And I think that, nah. um, like I said before, Jake Paul is just taking advantage of the algorithm. Cause there, it, for, for, there's, there's no reason to even comment on it because they're professional fighters. Like they're fighting for world championship belts. Jake Paul is literally just fighting basketball players and retired MMA fighters and stuff like that walking away with, you know, probably a couple million dollars and and going home. But for these people to try to even entertain that, it just, it leads me to believe that there's some, some bitterness there. And to me, you know, if I'm a professional fighter and I'm got an Olympic gold medal and I'm, you know, uh, 
was it WB? What is it, WBA? What? The the championship belt, whatever the the acronym is. Um, if you got that championship belt, why is it even a? Why are you even entertaining um, a Jake Paul fight? Because you, you need the money. It's a money grab. They need it too. Yeah, they're, they're not getting paid over there in UFC the way they should be. I'm talking about boxers. Oh, boxers. Yeah. Oh. Like what? Why would you even? Why would you even entertain that that fight outside of it? You being bitter that Jake Paul is probably getting more pay per views than than you are. I but guess. it's not it's not it's not your fault. It's not it's not anybody's fault. But what you you could do is like all he did was get on YouTube and show his life and show I, his, him I, and his I rich guess, brothers. I guess this Internet shit is was got him hot and people are so stupid that they I think that we pay attention. Wait, we pay way too much attention to stupid people. What Jake Paul is doing right now is basically like hanging out with five dumb people. So you feel smart. That's what the fuck Jake Paul is doing. He's getting a bunch of people that are not on this level with fighting. Jake Paul is legitimately training. Can't take that away from him. Mm. But you're fighting a non-boxer that's retired that looks like Homer Simpson, man. I can't give you. It's not. I, I don't even want to give you credit for that. I just feel like that's low-hanging fruit, man. It really is, dude. Yeah. And then you fight Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson looks like. I mean, what the fuck was that, man? He, <laughs> he jumped right into a. The way he was, he had his neck. His neck was going all over the place. He didn't have his chin down. He was throwing. Haymakers over the overhand rights that was not landing nowhere. It was embarrassing. And I think the people are getting robbed more than anything, but they're so stupid. This speaks more to society. We had this conversation earlier. These fights speak more to society than anything. I didn't pay for any, the Conor McGregor and Floyd. I didn't pay for that fucking shit. I knew it was a, it's a, it's, it's a fucking, it's a fuck fest. It's mm -hmm. a freak show. It's a joke. Floyd was not seriously fighting Connor. Floyd was entertaining the idea. There's so many people that love UFC and so many people that love boxing. And over the years, UFC has gotten more shine than boxing did. And people are like, oh, if, McG if they hate Floyd so much and Floyd and fucking Floyd and McGregor are the same person. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you hate Floyd for being cocky. But look at this motherfucking uh, uh, Connor McGregor. Mm hmm. Goddamn Lucky Charm cereal eating motherfucker. <laughs> the Mayweather's. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank absolutely nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. fought him because it was a freak show. That's all it was. Everybody, I knew it. I said, look, don't buy this goddamn fight. All it is is Conor McGregor dancing around, and I, it, it's he's not going to land a shot on him. And you know how many other fighters would love to fight Floyd? They've been fighting for years. Yeah. And they didn't get that shot. That's the part where it's kind of disrespectful to the sport. However, that's not on you. That's not your fault. You're mm -hmm. just cashing in on an opportunity. And McGregor got paid. Because mm -hmm. he wasn't getting paid like that over there with UFC. Mm -hmm. So it's like, man, I'm, just, I'm really tired of this shit. I think everyone is tired of it. Who's, who's he going to call out next? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, to me, I don't. I, to, the reason why I don't care that much is because I don't look at Jake Paul and think of boxing. I think when he did the fight with Nate Robinson, it, to me, it just came off as like the celebrity boxing match. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. I mean, that's that's why for me, if if I'm if I'm a, a, a professional boxer, and like I said, I'm more worried about. Uh, Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence, right. um, Canelo Alvarez. When I see Jake Paul, I don't. I, I'm not even paying attention to what he's doing outside of the spectacle. 
And I may be able to actually learn from something he's doing like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, he's a YouTuber and he has 1.5 million pay-per-view fights. Like, what can I learn from that? But as far as like thinking that he's like disrespecting the sport or anything like that, I'm not that invested in it because I'm worried about actually fighting for belts and um, making my stake in history. Um, I don't. I just don't think like LeBron James is worried about like what hot sauce is doing. And, you know, yeah. that's kind of a, you know, the, the timing of that is not a real thing, but I'm just right. saying like, I don't think Kobe Bryant or any of these guys is worried about like what was going on in and one at the time. That's true. Um, Boxing is such a different sport though. I just think they were, but it's, they were both playing the same sport and they were, and even and one was, a, I don't say a pop more popular than NBA, but you know, people was wearing and one shoes and they were, probably uh emulating more of their moves at a certain time than you know what people were doing in the nba i just think that i just think that like it's just two different things i don't i don't think that canelo alvarez is really worried about what jake paul is doing no not at all but two things are very true most boxers that fight from the very bottom most of them all grew up poor i'm Mm -hmm. talking about barely having food to eat like they literally were fighting for their lives Mm -hmm. clarissa shields didn't have a bed to sleep in until she was 17 Mm-hmm. So it's like the history of most boxers and most gladiators and gladiator sports grew up struggling and fighting for their life. That's why when you see them in the ring, they're not just fighting just to fight because they love the sport. Like they literally fighting for their lives. Yeah. You know, so I think they have a different perspective of the sport than a dude that's cashing in. By the way, by all means, I feel like you should leverage your platform. You, you, you don't want to be that pretty girl that's on Instagram that's posting booty pics for zero dollars and you got 820,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Turn that into a fucking uh, uh, OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. By all means, go ahead and do it. But what you got to realize is that is just a money grab and you are jeopardizing your integrity at that point. Mm-hmm. With him, he's a young guy. He's making a lot of money. But I don't I, I just who knows? Jake Paul's getting better. He's got hands. I don't want to hate on the guy. I just think this is cheap TV and I don't support it in any way, shape or, f- or form. And I would, yeah. and I didn't pay for the fight last night. Mm-hmm. I just turned on ESPN and what's crazy is even ESPN. Why is this motherfucker even being on ESPN at all? He's not an athlete. Yeah. That's what's crazy is how the world internet, inter- the internet has made the world subscribe to all this social media bullshit. Mm-hmm. I see some shit on, I see some shit on ESPN now and I'm like, like, I'm talking about, like, on Instagram. I'm like, how did this make it on ESPN? Mm-hmm. Hot dog eating contest? That's been on there for years, though. That has been on there for yeah. a while, though. Yeah. That's been on there since before Jake Paul was on YouTube. Yeah, there, there was, a, like, a Japanese dude that was winning a hot dog contest every fucking year. Masusake? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. He was dead. He was scarfing those motherfuckers down. <laughs> You know they would dunk them in water, yeah, yeah. and they oh would God. they would break the uh, take the bun out of the uh, yeah take the hot dog out of the bun and then dunk the the bun in water and they scarf down the uh, the hot dog or the hot dog and then they dunk it, the 
the bro, bread. Yeah. That dude, he was eating hot dogs so fast at one point, it looked like he wasn't even chewing them. <laughs> he was just inhaling those motherfuckers. And he would like shove it in his mouth. Like there was like a real technique to it. Like, he, yeah. yeah. He looked like a fucking cartoon character when they eat something real fast. Like yeah. when they eat corn on the cob and they like nibble it all down. Like Scooby Doo or something. And it's like, look at Matsasaki. <laughs> he's eating that hot dog right now. He's got another hot dog putting it in the paper right there. He's getting it going over there. Oh my God, that's 32 hot dogs going down his mouth. He's going, he's going, he's always going to the. I'd be like, oh my God, is, do you really need an announcer to fucking you really need an announcer to it was a dude it was a white dude he was american and uh-huh. his name was like something chestnut uh-huh. and he was he it was like what, what would you compare it to it was like he wasn't uh, on mazasaki's level yeah he he was just like the the just a big lazy wh- motherfucker whoever eating hot, <laughs> big, big lazy motherfucker eating hot dogs <laughs> yeah he was a uh, who remember when the bit what the Bills went to like three Super Bowls in a row or something? I think it was like four. That. I think four in a row, and they just kept getting beat. That's the Chestnut dude. Like oh. he would always show up, and it would always be like you know he putting in all this work. One time they had like a mini documentary yeah. following them around, showing them how much they were training and stuff like how that. How do you fucking train for that besides <clears throat> be fat? You stretch your stomach and I don't know, work out and just practice your technique. Oh I guess. my god! Yeah, but yeah, there was training and stuff, and every time he would get beat, yeah, it was it kind of got repetitive after a while. Some, yeah. I, I remember I was watching it one time. I had to make sure it wasn't a replay because the nigga Masusaki just kept winning. <laughs> you got to realize that dude. Hold on a minute. I got to look this shit up right now. I got to look this shit up right now, man. Hot dog. I got to look this shit up, man. So we can really give the people the information. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, we got to find his, his, hold on. Hot, his memory. Hot dog champions. All right, let's see. Hot dog championship 20. Hold on. God damn it. That dude was killing it. He was winning for some years. Uh, Nathan's hot dog eating. Let's go to Wikipedia. This The dude I'm talking about was Josh Ch- Josh Chestnut. So that's the second dude. But it was okay. another Asian dude that was way better. Yeah, he used to have like a little head, a head wrap on with the Japanese logo on the front. Yeah, and it was a real athlete. Oh, Kobayashi. Joey Chestnut, Chestnut, yeah. Kobayashi was banned. On June 28th, 2010, Kobayashi announced that he would not compete in Nathan's 4th 4th of July hot dog eating competition. Uh, Was reportedly due to MLE's insistence that Kobayashi sign an exclusive contract with the organization that would prevent him from competing in... What the hell? Like, this is... They got real contracts. Wait, Joey Joey wasn't no scrub. I'm looking at the... uh... The things here, the Kobayashi dude was winning for years, but all of a sudden Joey Chestnut started taking over. He had sixty-six hot dogs. He was actually having more hot dogs um, than Kobayashi did. What? They got the numbers here. So in two thousand two, Kobayashi had eight fifty hot dogs. Two thousand three, forty. I don't know how you eat half a hot dog, but forty-four point five hot dogs. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> 44.5 You might as well finish that other one Motherfucker uh, So in 2000 I go up to 2000 2006 Kobe Ashi ate 43.75 <laughs> 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 Did they bring a fucking three, scientist out three there? Three quarters of a hot dog <laughs> Did they bring a mathematician to fucking measure the <laughs> length of these hot dogs? Uh, but oh then the next goodness. year, in 2007, Joey Chestnut ate 66 hot dogs. Shit. They need to test him for PEDs, man. 
<laughs> I think that guy was on steroids, man. That's funny. Oh, hey, Kobayashi was fucking buff though. I don't know if you remember that. That yeah, guy he was, was a real athlete. He, he was wasn't ripped. Playing. Yeah, it's he was just not playing. Described as a godfather of competitive eating, Kobayashi is a six-time champion of Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest and is widely credited with popularizing the sport of competitive eating. Damn, six-time champion. This motherfucker is a Michael Jordan of hot dogs, man. <laughs> so how did he get, what was the thing? He got banned? One year he did. Uh, world, record, world records held hot dogs. 110 bunless hot dogs in 10 minutes. How that? the fuck do you do that? Kobayashi. Kobayashi did this that? motherfucker ate 110 bunless hot dogs in 10 minutes. God dang. They got to probably get sick. Nah, that's cheating. Well, you got to eat the bun with it. Who gives a fuck? That's 110 hot dogs, man. You know what I'm saying? My nigga Joey Chestnut out here eating 66 hot dogs with the buns. <sighs> without okay. no decimals hold, on it. Hold on. Bunless hot dogs, 60 bunless hot dogs in 2 minutes and 35 seconds. Wait, what? Dude, this is I'm reading his records, man. <clears throat> Kobayashi had 60 bunless hot dogs in two minutes and 35 seconds. At it's the, probably some gay dude just rubbing their genitals right now. <laughs> <laughs> you just listening like, uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, here's the thing. Okay, we just you just made that statement, right? Mm-hmm. All right, this is not a homophobic podcast. We just <laughs> we just having fun. But this next one is gonna really make you laugh. <laughs> this motherfucker has a rice balls, rice balls, 150 rice balls, 20 pounds in 30 minutes. This motherfucker ate 150 rice balls, 20 pounds of rice balls. That sounds crazy. Yeah, grilled cheese sandwiches. Thirteen grilled cheese sandwiches in one minute, bro. <clears throat> this dude got records. Like this dude gonna be a legend. His 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 tombstone gonna have all his fucking accolades. <laughs> buffalo wild wings. Three hundred and thirty-seven buffalo wild wings in thirty minutes. That's. I see this other stat. Yo, I'm really captivated by this shit now, man. Nah, check this one out. It says that he ate 30 vaginas in two minutes. Wow, that's a lot of pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine how fast that guy's moving? And he's probably so skilled, right? He probably giving orgasms, too. Each girl does 30 30 vaginas. Uh, Uh... uh, oh my god, this guy is a fucking legend. <laughs> you make this, a girl come off of three licks, you you a goat. It's man. about technique, man. <laughs> Give this guy a job at Pornhub. Fuck that. This motherfucker is the man. Dude, lobster rolls. I don't wanna I don't wanna keep killing this, but this is just so captivating. Lobster rolls. 41 lobster rolls at the Phantom Food Festival. Uh, for eating in 10 minutes. This one's fucked up. Cow brains. 57 cow. How do you quantify this, man? That sounds Is it the whole brain? 57 cow brains, 17.7 pounds in 15 minutes. Nigga, how you eat. a video of some of this. How you eat 57 brains? Let me see if I can find that video. That's kind of. I hope the cow wasn't alive. That'd be fucked up. Wait. <laughs> 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 have you ever been to? I'm, I'm sure you have when you was delivering. When I, like, yeah, I was hauling milk. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes it mugs be sounding like humans. Yeah, I know. They do. They'd be like, "Hell." 
<lacht> Nege. <lacht> uh, one time I, I thought I was hearing something. I was getting going to my truck and then it was like hot girl summer. I'm like, <lacht> like whoa. Hey, Kyle, what are you talking about? No, <laughs> no. <Nah, nah. laughs> I turned around and Kyle was like, there's some holes in this house. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. man. I'm going to read this two more, man, and then I'm going to stop. This is fucking nuts. <laughs> okay, hamburgers, 93 hamburgers in eight minutes. This just sounds like some tall tale shit. This sounds like Chuck Norris or Paul Bunyan or something, man. <laughs> that ain't even real, man. God damn. No, no dunking world mm. record. He didn't dunk the, he didn't even dunk the burgers in water, man. Oh, God dang. How the fuck do you eat 93 burgers in eight minutes? I thought I ate fast. Um, oh, this is the thing I'm talking, you, you can't see it, but if uh-huh. you guys are out there and you're interested, look up, uh, Kobayashi eats four plates of food. Like the documentary I was telling you about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's right here. This nigga just, like he was, he would scarf down food to like expand his stomach. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. So eating is, but he wasn't even like, he was in shape, which was weird. He, he wasn't abs. fat at all. Yeah. Yeah. He got, crazy. he got buff. Oh my God. This guy. Okay. This is the last one I'm going to read. Tacos. 159 tacos in 10 minutes at the Gringo Chronic Tacos Challenge on April 8th, 2017. God dang. What's the last record this dude broke, bro? They did a sports science on uh on him? Yeah, on food eat, competitive food eating. Oh my god. Yeah, a lot dude. of these things they have videos. Yeah, we gotta get back to Yeah, I mean I mean we ain't got much to talk about. We already talked about Jake Paul's watery watered down ass. <laughs> but golly, man. Well, I guess we could switch gears on this one. <clears throat> All right, switching gears. Um, the stigma about nerds. Like I, I growing up, like a nerd, being a nerd was considered like a bad thing. Right. Like you look at a nerd, usually they're a loner. They probably got a couple friends, like three friends, and they all look like fucking computer pro- programmers. Yeah. <laughs> they all talk about molecules and megawatts and shit. <laughs> Molecular structures. Molecular structures. <laughs> they walk around with shirts to have the fucking periodic table on them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but here's Virgins. A, get ver- they ain't getting no pussy. Nah, not being a nerd, especially in high school. Hey, even, but you, that's that's definitely true. But sometimes nerds have like groups of, you know, groups of nerds, and then there would be a girl nerd that was actually like a freak too. Oh and wow! Then, yeah, some of them was you know what I'm saying getting some action from the from the girl. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just know that the, uh, if you had to narrow down the average nerd, like the way that they look. Mm-hmm. They'd probably be close to looking like uh, Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That'd probably be the best. That'd probably be the best representation. Mm-hmm. And these nerds exist in all cultures: black, white, Mexican, Middle Eastern. They all wear the same shirt with the fucking periodic table on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they got the same nasally voice. Yeah, nerds always nasally. Yeah, they'd be like, hey, what's up, man? You know how I could get over to this store. Oh, I'll just actually just go down about uh, about uh, two kilometers and make a left. <laughs> You'd be like, man, give me the address, man. What's the address? <laughs> Drive two knots that way and then hang a right. <laughs> I bet that knots was for ships. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I'm not in the submarine, man. Yeah, just meet us downtown at about 2,100 hours. <laughs> 
You mean eight o'clock, bitch? What time? What the fuck? I don't know military time, man. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, there's a bad stigma about nerds. But here's the thing. Being a cool guy, I realize has a shelf life. If you're a, if you were the cool guy in high school, meaning you're the guy that always had the weed and the girls and mm-hmm. you hung out and you was getting all kinds of pussy and all of that shit. Mm-hmm. When you get older, being a cool guy is not an option. Mm-hmm. It goes away quick. You're either you, you you have to go from being a cool guy to being responsible. And a lot of people that I know that were the coolest guys in high school. Now you see these dudes somewhere walking down the street talking to themselves. Yeah. Because they did so much drugs that it fucked their brains up. And mm. now they're just somewhere do, strung out on drugs or mentally ill or. And I know I knew a couple guys like that, you know, um, but the nerds are the people that are people that, you know, they call them nerds. Those are the motherfuckers that are moving the needle. Yeah. See, here's the thing. The truth about nerds is you might call them nerds or they're not cool, but they're the ones that move the whole world. The very phone that I'm holding was, you know, structured and built by a nerd. Mm -hmm. You know, the software me and Keith used for the podcast built by a nerd Mm -hmm. microphones, you know, whether it's engineers or whatever. Nerds move the world. Yeah. Period. They move the world. Cool guys, they're they have the shelf life, like I mentioned. Or the entertainment. You know, we didn't even get into that. Right. Like the people that are writing the the movies we like or yes. you know, the directors or whatever. These are, you know, all like real nerds. Probably people that grew up, you know, playing with toys and making sound effects and all these yes. things. The yeah. people that wrote fucking Game of Thrones. We should really make Jon Snow do this. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Mm-hmm. If we make Jon Snow move a couple kilowatts, we could yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I just I was thinking about the Game of Thrones the other day. Mm-hmm. I, I was one of the first people on it. I, some girl I worked with years ago, like way before I was trucking. Yeah. She got me on Game of Thrones. She, she gave me like this um, flash drive that yeah. had they was passing it around with the yeah, flash yeah she gave me the flat we're talking about fuck <clears throat> 2013 14 mm-hmm. 2013 or 14 uh-huh. she passed me that shit and I was like hooked and mm-hmm. I was just binge watching it mm-hmm. and I, it's like almost like you it's almost like you could hear the theme song when you be in your head all day yeah that shit was so dope and i just stopped watching it after a while because i was busy i started trucking and then people fucked it up like people will go to the internet and tell the whole goddamn uh episode yeah that's trash You're like man fuck you guys you casual people <laughs> i i never got into it i watched maybe one or two episodes and it just to me i i don't i don't care for that whole medieval um genre they was it's, fucking on there man yeah i seen that episode i watched that one a couple times <laughs> i was a virgin till i was 23 but i'm just gonna put this in here because <laughs> sex <laughs> see what we need to do is we need to expand on the, her vagina and we have to talk about her her vaginal capacity <laughs> yeah i think was it uh what's the dude's name um the dude that plays Aquaman, uh, isn't he in there? <clears throat> yes, he is. Yeah, he's the one that was fucking. Yeah, exactly. That's the episode. <laughs> that's the episode I seen. That nigga was blowing some girl back out. <laughs> I forgot her name. That nigga was making that pussy wet. Queen of Dragons. <laughs> we have to get the protagonist some pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> yeah, that, we have to desecrate her vaginal walls. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what's funny about these writing? It's like a panel of writers. Mm-hmm. People think that writers is only like three of them or four mm-hmm. of them. Like, nah, that's a whole fucking. Yeah, they have write they have writing rooms. Yeah, so like they usually there's tanks. usually there's a like a showrunner and then there's like a lead writer for each episode and then there's like a group of people. Um yeah. So that's it's just generally how it goes. But yeah. but yeah, like you you're saying, nerds uh they 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 make the world they make the world move. I think that I think imagine if like we we were able to tell kids this prior to them growing up. Right. Like, yo, it's okay to be a nerd. It's okay to like cartoons. It's okay to, you know, doodle in class and, and all these different things. Because when you grow up, you're going to be um, part of the community that really shifts culture. Um, so I think more and more people should lean into that. Like even for uh, for me, when I was working at a school, there was a young kid that was there. And he was he was, a, he was like a Steve Urkel kind of, kind of kid, black nerd, uh, you know, he had the nasally voice and he wore yeah. the glasses and stuff like that. But he was like a, he was, first of all, he was like probably the smartest kid in the class, in his class. Naruto. Like, <laughs> Naruto. Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was probably the smartest kid in the class, but also he was, uh, he had that type of brain where he would just start playing with toys. And I talked to him one day, he was like, he had like. Algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> he had a black uh, ballpoint pencil and then a blue one. And he would just be like, get over here. The whole time he was really making a bomb. But no, I would see him and I didn't like. Because me, I'm already like I was already understanding of this whole like nerd culture or whatever, right. or just the way they move. So I, I didn't, I never try to suppress that. I would always like I was like, yo, like I walked up to him one day and I was like, yo, you should write your story down. And he was like, he was like, no, I don't write it down. I'm already on episode. He was like, I'm already on season three, episode twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the ships come in. <laughs> But no, nah, like like I said, I never tried to suppress it. So I told him, I was like, yo, you should like create a whole world. You know what I mean? Like write down the characters. And, you know, I try to give him a little bit of game from, you know, just me going to film school and understanding like storytelling and stuff. So I was like, yo, this is what you should do. You know, you should have a, a protagonist and an antagonist and all these kind of things. So but, you know, who, who knows what this kid, like I said, he was already intelligent. So who knows in six, seven years from now where he'll be or, you know, who he'll be working for or if he'll be a filmmaker or if he'll be a, you know, computer scientist or whatever. Right. But that's the type of, um, you know, people that, you know, turn into be the Steve Jobs right. and all these other people. But I think, like I was saying, I, I just wish like um, as kids, like more people would understand that because there, there yeah. are a lot of people. And every like people are very complex people, right? So I'm sure right. there's some hardcore crip in LA somewhere that loves Dragon Ball Z or they love Marvel or yeah. whatever. Um, but <clears throat> they probably would have to hide that because yeah. it's not it's not really cool, you know what I mean? But True. I wish like, you know, if, if uh adults would tell kids like, you know, like like Gambino said at the concert, he said, Cool is fleeting fleeting. So you know, if you realize that, you know, acting cool is, you, you know, when you grow up, you you know, what your version of cool is not going to be the same version of cool that you thought 
you know, in high, in high school or yeah. junior high or whatever. And if you just leaned into some of that nerdy behavior, who knows how you can affect the world when you get older? People still do that shit. They still try <laughs> to look too cool for stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I, my thing is I remove so much of my ego, man. Like I remove so much of it that like it allows me to like be myself. Yeah. I don't have to buy designer clothes and try to look a certain way or be a certain person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I love information. Like yeah, when I'm facts. at work, yeah, when I'm at work and I'm just driving down the road, I put on like information-based podcasts. And to a lot of people, they'd be like, oh, this is so fucking boring. But what it allows me to do is when I go out into the real world, I could be a part of so many more conversations because yeah. the knowledge that I'm just supplying my brain with. Mm-hmm. I feel like your brain is almost like, um, like, okay, if you, the longer you marinate meat, it's almost like. There's more, fl- it's more flavorful and mm-hmm. it has like, I don't want to use the wrong diction, but it has this really robust, like mm-hmm. just really deep, just savory taste to it when you cook it. Right. Yeah. If you only marinate it for 30 minutes, then it's going to be minimally like flavorful. Those flavors ain't sunk in yet. Right. Yeah. So it, not to cut you off, I want you to finish, but mm-hmm. like I, I had like, some, it was just like some store-bought chicken that they pre-cooked and, you know, yeah. uh, cooled or put it, put it in the refrigerator or whatever. Yeah. But a lot of times that stuff is not very flavorful at all. And it's the same meat that, you know, my uncle would cook at a barbecue or Mm -hmm. whatever, but it don't have that same, uh, that same dense flavors. Right. So yeah. Yeah, It's almost like you're, you're brining or fucking hair in my mouth. That's what I hate about having a beard. (laughs) You either have, it's like brining or marinating your brain with information. Mm -hmm. And the more you add that marinade and you let it sit, Mm-hmm. For hours and hours and days upon days. And if we're talking about with like real time, mm-hmm. you know, the duration of, the, uh, I don't know how many hours a week. We're talking 20, 30 hours of content that you're listening to yeah, in a week and times that times years. There's somebody that's not even getting a fraction of the information you're getting. And now when you get into certain rooms, you'd be like, no, I actually believe in 1865. That's when this happened. Or in 1942, that's when this happened. And it's like. You feel confident in what you're saying because you've actually looked at information. I don't want to get too far off what, what we're talking about. But I, to go ahead. along with that, um, what are some things that you, you pro- like the average listener might not know or, you know, some of your friends might not even know that you, you could probably really nerd out over like just some topics or subject matters that you you kind of do a deep dive in on YouTube or podcasts or whatever? Oh, for, for me, <laughs> like, I guess you could nerd out on them. It's like... Um, uh, like products, clothing products. Yeah. You know, I've gotten to the point where I could name certain shirts and hats by number because, you know, being as I'm working on an apparel business, I've done enough research and bought enough shirts and things of that nature to understand the fabric and how it feels and uh, how it feels after so many washes and mm-hmm. what type of uh, material is used on it, you know, whether it's a tr- uh, um, screen print transfers or, or I think it's called eight. ATG or DTG, I can't remember what it's Direct called. Direct to garment, yeah. Yeah, yeah, DTG. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, I could nerd out over that, more or less because I've done so much, inform- I've looked up so much information and have listened to so much on YouTube and, and podcasts and all these things that people will be like, why the fuck do you know so much about hats and shirts? Who gives mm-hmm. a fuck about that? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. A million, pe- millions and millions of people wear shirts and hats every day. Yeah. So you may not give a fuck about it and you just buy it, but there's a market for it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as like a nerd. The same motherfucker you were sho- you were shoving in lockers 
You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's helping create drones that defend this country. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a bunch of drones dropping bombs on people and the same motherfucker you shoved in the locker room. He's helping protect this country. Yeah. So it's I don't know, man. I I just think that we should not be so crucial on nerds because they're the actual they're actually the people that are um, moving the needle. Like I mentioned. I think I think also like I was saying before, like people should embrace that more so because like no matter what you do for a living or, you know, you or what you may deem as cool. I think we all nerd out over something. Everyone does. That may not be, you know, something that somebody else nerds out over. Pussy, everything. (laughs) Yeah, there is. Yeah, this is some Brazilian pussy right here. Slightly salty with the hint of South America. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> He's like, mm, okay, she must be Pandamanian. Guessing a girl ethnicity or nationality pipe by eating her vagina is crazy. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. But no, I think, like, you know, like I said, it, Cause the thing about it, um, and, um, I got this just from having, you know, conversations with certain people. I think everybody has this idea, but I think, you know, because we go through life and we start suppressing, you know, that nerd in us, um, you, you, you get, you get to be, you know, 40 or 45 years old. And then you start to, you know, think back on the times that you were interested in something. And by that, by then it's, it's almost too late to actually, uh, capitalize on those situations. <clears throat> like for me, I'm, I'm, I've always been interested in like the stock market and apps and all these kind of things. Like I told myself I wanted an app, but like years and years ago, and you know, it only happened um, this year. But at the same time, like I never tried to suppress any of those ideas or interests that I had. So it's okay to, you know, you can listen to, you know, whatever music like Apollo G or um, uh, uh, Lil Durk or any of these guys, <clears throat> it's cool. You you can you can um, and you can relate to their music and you can feel that way or whatever. But also, I'm sure you have some interest, like you said. In, it may be in cooking. It may be in like you know training. It may right. you know you may be you may nerd out over like you know uh, you know uh, muscle structures and you know stretching there and all go. this kind of stuff. But like just lean into that. You know what I mean? And don't try to like suppress those ideas because something good can come oh, of it. I got one for you. Regardless of whatever you do and you want to be elite at it, you will always have to defer to a nerd. Yeah. Even in the bodybuilding world, mm-hmm. guess who did all that research? Who was that? Like all that research about. Oh, you mean like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Muscle yeah. fibers and proteins and mm-hmm. caloric deficit and surplus. It wasn't some buff dude like, hey, you know what? I think if you eat this many calories, you can do this. No, it was some. It was a nerd mm-hmm. that came up with all these calculations that basically told you what a caloric deficit or a caloric surplus, mm-hmm. or you know what hypertrophy was, or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Like there was somebody that did this research. Mm-hmm. So as a person that wants to get better in that field, whether it's in bodybuilding or just the average Joe that wants to lose weight, you will have to adhere to this information that yeah. was researched <clears throat> and well researched. By someone who deep dived into this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, facts. I think I think for me too, like one of the main things that I wanted to get across and it just came to me now, like the idea of being a nerd doesn't have to be like 
you don't have to be real nasally when you're talking. Like you could be, you could be a regular person. Like for me, I've been in uh, like gate classes since I was in like seventh grade. And even in high school, I, I took AP classes and I have a college degree and the whole nine. But I also was, you know, a all area athlete and I hung around, you know, my friends. And there was never like there was never this divide like, oh, that's the, you know, the, the guy in the AP classes. Like people knew that I was in, you know, AP classes and whatnot. But I was just I was myself and I didn't have to be I didn't have to act cooler around certain people. Like I walked around, I had my calculus book in my hand and I was always myself. So you know, that, that version, um, you know, that Ben Shapiro type of nerd, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't always have to be that. Like you could be, you know, just a cool guy. I mean, like you would, a guy like Pharrell is still a cool guy, but he was a band, you know, he was in band when he grew up or Childish Gambino. Like these guys are cool, cool people still. And they just happen to be like real artsy, artsy people. You know what? Ben Shapiro is probably the that guy is a fucking robot, man. <laughs> if you looked up nerd in the definition, if you looked up nerd in the the dictionary, Ben Shapiro would pop up. Like, see the problem with the liberals. <laughs> <laughs> He's so much that of a ben Shapiro. You know how on YouTube you can uh, boost the speed like to one point two five fast. That's how Ben Shapiro talks. That's how you talk in real life. Yeah. See the problem is <laughs> with America. If you if you're a person that. And here's a liberal agenda. <laughs> this is gonna make sense to you. I think it's gonna I'm like, damn. This motherfucker sound like when you flash when you fast forwarded a tape in the nineties <laughs> on the VHS. <laughs> That's how Ben Shapiro sound. That's funny. It's like, God damn, this motherfucker has too much information, dude. He can't even drink water. He's gonna blow his computer out. He don't even got a brain anymore. It's funny if you've seen uh I don't know if you've seen WandaVision yet. No, I haven't. But there's a part in there where, uh, not to get, this is not like a real integral part of the story. Right. But Vision chews gum and like it just screws up everything. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, it just kind of reminded me of Ben Shapiro drinking water, like, you know. If Ben Shapiro, okay, I really believe this, man. Ben Shapiro is a part of his hair. Like, if you lift it up, you can stick a flash drive in it. <laughs> <laughs> ben Shapiro got an algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be fooled by what the liberals are trying to get you to do. You need to understand. You be like, damn. Yeah. I think he got like like a slot where you put in the flash drive mm-hmm. and like you put certain ones in and he could be a black belt and then you take another <laughs> one out. Now he knows like he knows how to rap and shit. You be like, God damn, Ben. I didn't know he had bars like that. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like, what do you know about DMX? Well, actually, uh, DMX was not actually born on the on the East Coast. He was born in Oakland. California. He'd be like, damn, this motherfucker know everything. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, Hip hop historian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know all about black culture. Right? Like, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, man. Being a nerd is cool. Yeah, man. There's that. All right, switching gears. Women not <clears throat> shaving their armpits. I think this led to a whole nother conversation, right? And I'm sure there's be some women listening and they're like, wow, why, why does it matter if women shave their arms or not? And, you know, men shouldn't be telling us what to do with our bodies and all of this. I'm not trying to tell you what to do at all. I just want to give you some perspective. I'm going to read this. Why women are growing out their body hair and what razor companies are doing about it. Okay, fuck all that. The uh, razor companies is going broke. Yeah, right. <laughs> we need you guys to shave your pussy in your armpits. <laughs> You're not doing it. It's not right. 
Uh, this summer, a growing number of millennials have found their answer. Nope, talking about hair. As beauty trends gradually become more inclusive with makeup o- makeup offered in more natural shades than ever before and bras made available and an expanding number of custom sizes, women uh, are also giving themselves more leeway when it comes to its personal to personal grooming. Body hair has been embraced by celebrities who speak proudly of their unshaven underarms and influencers who post unapologetically about their visual their visual leg hair uh, leg hair. The movement has especially taken off on Instagram and even affected the marketing of a product that once had ads labeling leg hair as object ob, objectionable razors. Okay, um, here's the deal, man. This is my thing. Ladies, um, if you want to grow your arm hair out, I don't know why. It, it is up to you. It is your body. I don't want to go there. Um, but I heard, the reason why I'm bringing it up too is I heard this young lady bring up the fact that we're so sick of this, this beauty standards and the, the pressure by men telling us what we should do and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking like, this just doesn't make sense. I don't understand the hairy armpit thing. And the reason why is because, like, we need to understand it's okay to do something for the opposite sex. And I'm not talking about women just for us, but men for women. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we live in a time now where everyone is all or nothing. Like, I'm not doing anything for a man ever. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, what? I don't, I don't get it. Like, they got Manscaped. And they got Manscaped has become popular because a lot of women don't like guys that got a hairy ass dick and balls. Mm-hmm. Right? So a lot of us are shaving our fucking balls off. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind, but I do that for women mm-hmm. because out of respect for women, if they are going down there giving you a blowjob, you at least want that shit to look decent. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And don't stop there. You know, use products down there. Put some Neutrogena and shit on your balls. Make mm-hmm. sure everything looks great. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't want you don't want them to have some raggedy looking nuts down there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, look, doing the proper grooming and stuff and doing that for women is fine. So I don't get it like, yo, and and here's the thing. This is the problem that I had. A chick with super hairy fucking armpits, she will still have an idea of the standard of men that she wants. So she'll be like, you know what? A man needs to provide. He needs to be a leader and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? How about we start with you shaving your fucking armpits? (laughs) Let's start there. Yeah. You know, you look like you you got uh, somebody in a headlock from the 70s. Mm hmm. (laughs) I personally don't like. Look, at the end of the day, who gives a fuck what I think? Keep your arms hairy. Right. Mm -hmm. But you are contradicting yourself. If you got super hairy armpits and you have uh, you have super hairy armpits, but you have expectations of what men should be doing. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I mean, is a man having opinion? Is that considered patriarchy or Mm, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> nah, I think as far as the, the hair, the hairy armpits goes, I, I think as far as the, um, you know, the the real world uh, ramifications of having hairy armpits, like it's it's not really my space to say like what a person should and shouldn't do. I just speak from my perspective as far as like it doesn't look appealing to me. No, and I think I think. That's okay to say that. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and then, I'm not but, trying to be politically correct, but like, but like you, <laughs> but like you said, I think that um, we get caught up in like trying to over uh, overcompensate for like you know some things that happened in history. Whether there you, know, you there go. may be someone that's like you know women weren't given the right to vote, so I'm gonna grow my armpits out, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like you don't have to. <laughs> 
<laughs> like just shave your armpits and go vote now. We good. <laughs> we are hairy. We are hairy. We are hairy. <laughs> oh man. But no, I, I think I think it's it's okay to um you know to we we can compartmentalize to like to, to to today's standards. It doesn't have to be you know it doesn't we don't have to like put all these things together, right? Um, and it's it's one of those things too. I think I think we we almost care too much what like other people think. I think that's what happens too. I think we're overcompensating for like what right. other people think as well. So it's like, right. because men want us to shave, we're not going to shave. That's too That's Come on. Yeah. And, and what happens too is like, um, for the most part, I, I, I think that girls are probably uncomfortable with a lot of these things. Like, like, especially like a hairy vagina. I would imagine that would get very uncomfortable for a woman because you get in- ingrown hairs and all these kind of things. So yeah. just for your own sake and also for like hygiene purposes. Right. It's probably a little bit better to, uh, you know, shave. I don't know if that's <clears throat> accurate, though. What? I don't know if that's an accurate statement. I think that it growing the hair out is probably I think that's more sanitary, I believe. I could be wrong, but I, I just I, I just equate like um like hair to like retain more like yeah just stuff i don't know it, it just, just doesn't look good i'm not uh, look i'm just gonna come out and say it i'm not eating a hairy pussy i'm not doing that yeah i don't want to go down there and it's like i'm not eating a pussy that looks like a saint bernard yeah that's <laughs> Got a poodle down there, a poodle <laughs> pussy. I, yeah, you look at that thing and it starts looking like you know those little dogs that they don't even bark. It's like they like sneeze. Mm-hmm. They like ah ah yeah ah. yeah. You're like man, I I can't do this. Yeah yeah, but it's okay to do something for the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, I, I think not to cut you off, but I think mm-hmm. that like that's that's the thing that. Um, we're missing like I feel like on both sides because yeah, yeah. you know men as far as like getting haircuts and you know just there just you go being put together wearing cologne and all these kind of there things you go. some of that is just you know for our own you know mental health and you know you just you look good you play good kind mm-hmm. of thing right um but some of that is for the opposite sex 100%. because you know that a woman likes a guy that's you know well groomed and stuff like 100%. that so um, if if it's okay for a man to do it, it's okay for a woman to you know want to be presentable, have <clears throat> you know your hair shaved, right. your hair done, your, your nails done, hair done, makeup done, everything. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, you fucked it up. It was I was totally was butchered. Hair done, nails, nails done, done, everything, everything big. big. Hair yeah. done, nails done. Every- yeah, you fancy, huh? You hairy, huh? <laughs> you hairy, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure some women are going to be pissed off, but it's like, yo, at the end of the day, I'm not here to pacify you. I'm not Derek Jackson. I'm not here to fucking lie to you. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you what men are thinking. And it's not. And if you don't give a fuck what I'm saying, then keep dealing with those guys that keep lying to you, Mm -hmm. because if they looking at that big hairy armpits and they say they're cool with it, they're really not. They're just Mm -hmm. probably trying to score or something, you know. But look, at the end of the day, if you whatever you do, it doesn't matter what I say. Okay, I'm just. Telling it how I see it. Yeah. That's, 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 I mean, that's basically it for me. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard a guy was like, mm, she got some hairy, hairy ass armpits. That's sexy. Mm. I would love to get her, get me in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, mm. that was that was. We shot this video once, this music video, and this girl. Um, this is a wild story, but this girl, <laughs> this girl, she was like a model in the video, yeah. and me and my boys just we we got this hotel room, and me and my boys, uh, you know, setting up the camera and whatnot, and then all of a sudden she just got naked. And she changed her, she changed her outfit. And then she had like this, it was like a slim, like, like a, like a one piece kind of thing on. Uh-huh. Um, and we're shooting a video, right? And all of a sudden she started like doing these like really uh, sensual moves. <laughs> and then she lifted her arms up and it was just like 1970s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just looked like she was on like. You know, like Molly in you know in the nineteen seventies in the Bay Area or oh something, like flowers God. and whatnot. It was a lot of hair. Yeah, it was super hairy. Oh my! God. And we had to cut around it in the music video because it was just like it was that much. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was pretty long. Like you know, like you could tell she hadn't shaped in a while. Oh my God! Which dude. is like you do whatever you want to, but as far as like the aesthetic of the music video, it's like nah, we we can't have that in there. I've seen some crazy shit, man. I've seen some women that were beautiful, but they had hairy arms. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh, yeah. do you not see how hairy your arms are? Have you ever seen like a hairy back? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, my God. Everything shaved, but the back is hairy. Yeah, the, the like lower back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you look like fucking Michael J. Fox on <laughs> Teen Wolf, man, in the 80s. God damn. That was crazy. Oh my goodness. I know a barber that line that up real nice. Yeah, that shit like that like if you could cut a design in that shit, it's too long. But even men too. Like I we Yeah. There's this dude, um, we interviewed him uh for uh Zylo's podcast uh-huh. and he works in the uh he works in the film industry, right? Okay. And he we, we pulled up on him and he was just like he he was he was like grossly hairy, right? Yeah, like you know you know you when you're so hairy, like it just it starts to it come out of, your, out shirt. of your shirt. Yeah. Oh my god! And it was, he had hair in spots that you're not supposed to have hair in. Like <laughs> the the hair from the back of his head was connecting to his chest. <laughs> this nigga had a hair necklace going on. <laughs> that motherfucker looked like Zangief off Street Fighter. You know the big Russian dude. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, man! Yeah, all on his neck, all coming out of his, ugh, all kind of spaces. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's when, as a man, you need to cut your shit off. But yeah. don't just do it for you; do it for the woman, man. Yeah. Look, for example, if you're with a chick and she's like, "Hey, your breath smells. You might want to go to the dentist or do that." I'm gonna say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I'll make sure I get on that." Because you want to keep the person <clears throat> happy, or you want to be in a situation where, you know, you you can. I don't know. You just want to, you don't want to make things difficult for the other, the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. You want to be, I'm not saying you need to jump when they tell you, but you, you don't want to walk around like that. And you say, you know what? No, it's natural for me to have stanky breath. So that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. What if, what if a guy said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of these social norms and telling me that I need to be a provider. I'm just going to go get me some Jesus sandals. I'm going to quit my job and go to the beach. I'm dead. Hey, Do yeah. you think that guy's going to get any action from women? Fuck no. Because yeah. women don't want a broke guy that's living off the fucking land on the beach. I think I, in, in, in reality, and this is just me from experience, um, when you when you're when you put together and whatever that means to whomever, right. you just feel better. Yeah, like you feel so much better walking around the house or right. walking outside of the house. You got your head up, you're smiling. Right, and the sun is just 
the sun is hitting. You know what I'm saying? Right, you got your selfies your, look better. You got your gray sweatpants on. You got your gray sweatpants on. You got, you, print. you got your manscape real good going on down <laughs> there. Manscape is you put some on new, point. You put some Neutrogena on your balls. Neutrogena on your balls. You know, you're all fresh down there, smelling yeah. good. Deodorants on. Deodorant for the balls. And then hers, you know, she's walking around enjoying her day. Yeah. Nicely shaved vagina. Fresh vagina. No armpit hair. No armpit hair. Just made me a sandwich. <laughs> Just gave you hair without asking. <laughs> Wait, no, you gotta ask for consent, man. She, ladies, ask for consent. No, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. You cannot just start giving head. That is not right. You do imagine. Like a guy really wanted to set up a girl and then he's just like some girl and is there in a real relationship, but he just mad at her for whatever reason. And she tried to make it up to him by giving him head, but she didn't ask him. And he just called the police. She was like, oh, officer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Man. I'm over here getting assaulted. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, man. That'll be crazy. You hear the officer on the other line. They'd be like, you'd be like, well, if you don't like it, then I'll do it to the officer. <laughs> officer on the line, don't you threaten me with a good time. That was crazy. You imagine that officer show up and then now you just change your mind. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. You called me over here. Hey. Hey, you know the officers, the police officers be showing up dumb late, so it's probably an yeah. hour and a half later. Yeah, they just knocking on the door trying to get some head. They <laughs> <Hey>, sleep. <laughs> Beggars for police. <laughs> I'm here to get some head. <laughs> hey, it's Officer Thompson. Open up the door. Open up those walls. <laughs> Open up those walls. How do we get there, man? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, there's that, man. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing wrong with doing something for the opposite sex. Yeah. I don't think there's anything. I think we've gotten to a place now where, you know, um, everybody like, I ain't got to do shit for these women or women like, I ain't got to do nothing for a man at all. And it's like, yo, don't you, like, do you aspire to ever be a part? You're making things harder for yourself. And I'm not, I'm not saying you should be pandering and jumping when a man tells you to jump or vice versa. But it's like, it's okay to do things for women. That's okay. I think I think women are very, very selfish with their aesthetics. Mm. More so than men. Elaborate. Think, like, um, even like the, the body um, surgery stuff. Oh. Like the breast implants and booty injections and all this kind of stuff. Um, for the most part, I don't think men is going around asking for that kind of thing or asking no. women to change their body in that way. I don't think so either. Um, so I'm not really sure where women's view, because it, it, it seems to be like, it seems to me that they're pandering, but also they're pandering in the wrong ways. They're pandering to, basically, women are pandering to an outdated narrative. Yeah. Because at one time, men were just, dis- we can't sit here and act like they men weren't disgusting and men would not publicly be like, oh, you're too big or this and that. Mm-hmm. That them was the old days where it was it was okay to shame bigger women and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, where now women are pandering to that outdated narrative. Women are really getting surgeries and everything done because of what they see on the fucking internet. 
Yeah, just comparing themselves to other women. I've never pressured a woman to saying, your eyebrows ain't right. I don't know what's going on, but your nails just don't, you know, you're not contouring the right way. I have never in my fucking life, nor have I heard other men talk about how women's makeup should be. Yeah. You know, now some stupid motherfuckers that be like, dang, girl, why don't you smile? Like, that's fucking stupid. Don't mm. tell women what they need to be doing. <laughs> right? But at the same time, it's like, dude, like the Kim Kardashians of the world and the Saweeties and all these women that have these huge platforms that get up there. And then a lot of these girls got surgery and whatnot. You got average regular women out there getting BBLs. Mm-hmm. There's a girl I used to talk to years ago, and she posted a picture of her, and she got a big old booty now, My, big old surgery booty. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I, I have a relative that's going to get, um, they're going, they're going to get a a, a new a new butt per se. Wow, the, the yeah. BBL shit. What is that stand for again? B- Brazilian butt lift. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what was oh, the going fat on. transfers. I think it's the fat transfer. Yeah, I just don't understand, ladies. You don't need to do this. You can do whatever the fuck you want. It, don't listen to me. But God damn it, why? God made you. They, I don't want to get all biblical, but God made us all uniquely different. I, th- I think the thing about it, too, the thing that I don't like about it is it sends the wrong message to people that may look up to you. Right. Um, and, and it kind of goes back to that, that J. Cole song, um, uh, Crooked Smile. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's OK to get your teeth done. But I think the there was there was still some power in that message. It's like you know, basically saying like you know, this is how God made me. I'm a I'm a rock. Yeah. And um, for for women, you know, you're out there. They 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 getting out. They're mutilating their body really. And yeah. you know, for younger women, you know, looking up to them as far as like girls that may be. 13 12 years old they're looking up to these these older women that are doing are changing things about their body and it it makes you it i think it lowers self-esteem and it makes younger women insecure as well i think that i think that women just innately are just have insecurities Mm -hmm. they really do and what's what's weird about it is i've heard women that are just absolutely beautiful they, they're pretty and they got a nice body and everything. They're just like, oh, I don't like the way my body looks like. And when I wear that, I'm thinking like, are you fucking kidding me? But women really be insecure about themselves. Mm-hmm. And you like thinking like, like chill. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not shallow like that. I, I don't, I feel like I, that's why I don't like to even really touch on the topic too much. Cause I never want to, I never want to say what a woman should be when I'm talking about something like arm, like armpit hair, that's something very minor, but I would never, tell a woman she should be cutting her body up yeah like that's that's just too like, much girl, i love you but you need a fatter ass you need a bigger ass yeah you know you know what it is too what also makes women insecure but they won't admit it is the fact that they could be happily married and everything but they probably caught their husband looking at a girl with a big booty a few times mm-hmm. and it probably made them feel really insecure about the fact that they don't got a lot of booty and they've been thinking about this surgery every time they bust their husband looking at a girl with a fat ass mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and then it's just like you know they feel like if they got it, it would make them feel better. But then they, they once they get these surgeries, they realize it ain't doing it's nothing. Those, that same feeling is yeah. still there. Yeah. That, that whatever insecureness on the inside of you or that voice in your head, that same voice is still there. It was some, it's something that was on the, on the internet. I think they said like, I'm snatched or whatever they call it. What, mm-hmm. what they, I don't know what they referencing yeah. when they talk about like they waste or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it's not normal for every woman to look like that. Mm-hmm. To have this big old booty that's got cosmetic surgery or whatever, and then they got this small waist like that's not normal. Mm-hmm. It's not normal, and and then you see the uh, the big old the big lips. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. They even it's so fucked up now that they even got a a fucking cosmetic filter. Mm-hmm. It's a filter that I think it's on IG or Snapchat yeah, or where Instagram. It, mm-hmm. It's Instagram. It lifts your cheeks up and makes your lips bigger. Yeah. I don't and know. And it looks pretty real. It looks like real. If you had, if you wasn't paying attention, it looks real. It look, you look like a Kardashian. That's what you look like. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. Yeah. You know what? You know, I'm gonna be honest. If I had a wife and she was telling me about all the surgery she wanted to do, I would feel horrible. I would feel like, yo, I'm not putting no pressure on my wife to do nothing. What yeah. the fuck is going? It's these social. It's this social <laughs> influence, man. The internet, Instagram. Instagram's crazy. I, the Instagram has the perfect name, IG. I call it instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Right? People just want to gratify themselves in any way possible, whether it's getting attention for selfies or literally cutting their bodies up. And you know, more than Instagram, you you got to think about um, the people that we're watching on TV, right. like um, these reality TV shows. My goodness, you, you'll watch season one. The girl will look one way. Come back season two. She got a new booty. Yeah. Double D's, new teeth. Everything. Oh, nah. Yeah. That's not how life works, man. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I I feel you like what you were saying is like if your wife came to you with that with that idea like they want to get something done to their body. It just, it just um, when I t- heard this, I was telling about my relative. It really hurt my it really hurt my heart because I, I'm always trying to preach, you know, just like you know, trying to to be secure with yourself and appreciate yourself, and you know, uh, appreciate what God put together. Um, and when I found out that she was she was going to do that, I was I I really was like, I had an emotional connection to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Look, at the end of the day, you could completely not give a rat's ass what me or Keith say at all. I just want y'all to know this much. As just regular guys walking around the world, we are not putting no pressure on women to do anything to your body. What you need to do is dig deep inside yourself and figure out why you want to do this. And I think it's going to come down to social influence. It's going to come down to you looking at Meg Thee Stallion and the way she's twerking and she got her booty is natural. But you're looking at the way she's twerking and you just getting insecure because, you know, you ain't got it like that. Mm -hmm. But it's called genetics. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not jealous. It's like it's like me watching a porno and I'm jealous of this guy because he's got a 10 inch cock. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm not jealous of this guy because he got a 10 inch cock. I I do okay for myself. I ain't 10 inches. But (laughs) but at the end of the day, man, like God gave you what he gave you, man. And you kind of have to learn how to say, look, this is who I am. And that's enough. Yeah, I I think the interesting part about it, too, is that what the fuck is that? That a more. That mug sound terrible. Our mics are picking that shit up too. Yeah, that sounds like a chainsaw slash motorcycle slash fucking uh, horror movie. <laughs> Bakersfield chainsaw B- massacre. Chainsaw massacre. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, oh, what I what I was saying is that um, it's so crazy that women put so much stock into how their butt looks when you can't see it unless mm. you're looking in the mirror. True. So I just it just it just it's crazy to me. Like you know, I don't know the like how many hours in the mirror women are you know looking at their butt and turning yeah. and breaking their neck in order to to look at that. But I'm yeah. just like that's crazy. Women put more emphasis on their looks instead of their soul. Yeah, you got everything going for you. Everything's great. At the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, if a dude is really that dumb to where he's like, yeah, you know, you look better with if a guy women men need to realize their role in this shit, too, because if a guy says something like, yeah, if you got you, you got your boobs, that'd be good. And it's like, don't even make that suggestion, dude. Yeah. Don't even make that suggestion or that. But also, excuse me, put it put in more emphasis on um, things that they can't. Like there are things that we can do um, to to benefit our our bodies as far as like working out or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe getting a a different hygiene regimen for your skin or something like that um, versus like actually going under the knife. You know what I mean? I think a lot of uh, women tend to focus on trying to have this 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 quick fix versus like you know actually that doing this women that's society yeah i seen the one guy he had uh implant muscles yeah oh my that? god that i seen disgusting, that huh? it, he, one dude did it to his calves another dude did it to his abs i'm like what like dude this motherfucker look like johnny bravo man you can't that's you gotta put the work oh. in you, when you put the work in it you're gonna be you're gonna feel so much more fulfillment yeah all right we'll move on from this switching gears Policing in America. I think that's one of the hot topics, especially uh, throughout the week. Um, but before we get into it, I, I think we'll, we need to talk about one of the stories that's one of the least talked about stories. And we'll go into that first to preface everything else. Uh, where the fuck is it at? Where is it at? Okay, no, it's not that one. Not that one. What's this one here? Okay, here we go. All right. Um, there was a there was an officer that was doing pulling somebody over in New Mexico um, and he got killed. All right. Here's the thing. New information released in shooting death. New Mexico State Police officer. Uh, New Mexico police have released the new information. The shooting death of state officer occurred fe- febru- in February. On February 4th, Darren Jarrett initiated a traffic stop on a white pickup eastbound on Interstate 10 just East of Deming, Officer Jarrett asked the asked driver identified as 39-year-old Omar Felix Cueva to exit the vehicle. Cueva exited the driver's side holding an AR-15 rifle and fired at Officer Jarrett as he was walking into the rear. Uh, Jarrett, Officer Jarrett fell into his back and Cueva ran around the vehicle firing seven more rounds. Uh, state officials said Jarrett was struck by gunfire and shot point blank in the back of the head. Jarrett died on the scene. Oh, dang. Yeah, I seen the video was really fucked up. Yeah. The reason why I want to bring that up first before we get into the other topics is because it's the least talked about video. Um, and there's a lot of shit going on right now regarding the police. But I want to start off by recognizing uh, decent policing in America. Right. Before we get into the police fucking up. <laughs> um, this guy, this this cop was very respectful to the person he pulled over. Um, he was being, you know, decent. He's being diplomatic. He was doing all the right things as an officer. And even when he located the firearm on the on the person, he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to need you to hand you hand me your gun for my safety. And once the guy exited, he didn't see the gun and he just shot the cop point blank and killed him. So that is a represent. I guess that's you could say that was an example of the type of dangers that police officers or um, CHP face when they're pulling over a vehicle, right? Yeah. That is a real danger that the police do have. Even when you do your job the right way, you get your motherfucking head blown off. And that that dude was a coward for shooting a cop like that, man. He didn't have to do that. He could have just drove off or something. But yeah, he, he was in the drive. He was 
he was in the driver's seat. Yeah, man. Like, this is, he could, like you said, he could have drove. He could have drove off. He just shot him, um, which is an extremely fucked up story. Mm-hmm. You know, if the and the thing is, it wouldn't be any less fucked up if the cop was being a dickhead. But he was doing his job. He was communicating. He was being respectful. Everything, even when he seen a weapon, he just said, "I need that gun for for my safety," and ended up getting killed. Right? Yeah. Now, moving forward to another story. Um, I want to talk about that. Oh, go ahead. Bit. Yeah, go ahead. I think when I when I watched the video, it you know it, it really hurt my heart because you we we have this. Um, it it doesn't it it gives a point to the police officers, yeah. right? Because a lot of these people that are in not only the police officers but the the whole like Blue Lives Matter movement, right? Because right. a lot of them they when they speak about police brutality they're speaking about it from this perspective and there are actual um a lot of videos going around where there are situations that happen like this um but what happens is because police brutality is such a hot topic and because um you know as far as the black lives matter movement we tend to show up and show out in certain instances so if if a black man gets killed if me and eddie God forbid we, you know, walk out of here out of the, the, the podcast and we get, you know, we become a victim of police brutality. It's going to be a few hundred black people, you know, right out there marching and, you know, protesting and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't generally happen for the other side. And what happens is, like I said, I've seen a video or like a, a montage of um, the support for the reason why police act the way they do, which, it, you know, it doesn't. You know, it, it 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 supports their argument, but it it's kind of like it's like apples and oranges in a sense. Right. But there's instances where you know a police officer will pull over somebody, and then all of a sudden they just let out, like they just yeah. start shooting when they walk up. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I I the the reason why I was um, hurt by this and so and almost annoyed in a sense is because the police officer walked up with so much composure. He was like he's like you said he was being respectful. Um, <clears throat> He knew all the right things to say. And even in, 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 the, in the moments where it started to get a little bit more tense and not tense as in like raising the volume or anything, but tense as in like I could tell that the police officer started to um, become weary of the way that the dude was moving because he was asking for his ID over and over again. He, he asked for like his ID multiple yeah. times and then he asked you know for him to put his gun away or to hand him the gun for his own safety and, and just like the, the things that you know they're probably taught and he probably he probably did it by the book and then he probably went above and beyond you know just some human to human skills that he acquired over over the years and um when he didn't when the dude hopped out of the car and he shot him down i was just like yo it just it just looks bad for this whole narrative that we're trying to uh to push as far as you know we're trying to be we're trying to have better police and we're trying to have a better relationship with the police officers. Right. And then you see this happen and it kind of like, it just brings everything down. It's kind of like, you know, when you, when you see like, um, you know, a certain movement going on or, or like, uh, just like you, you try to get some sort of traction in, in whatever field and then something comes in and just puts, you know, puts a, a damper on things. And right. I think that's kind of what this video did for, uh, the movement um, as far as like the police brutality and stuff. Right. Definitely. So I, the reason why it's important to bring stories like this up too is because uh, with this podcast, we try to be as objective as possible. 
Like, you know, if we were people trying to push whatever agenda or what we believed in, we would totally jump over this story and go straight to the police pulling over black people and treat them a certain way. So multiple things are true. Mm-hmm. The police do a dangerous job. And even when they do it right, they can be shot and killed mm-hmm. the same way as this bad policing situation where uh, the two Virginia police officers use excessive force. All right. I'm going to read this story. Um, a U.S. office, a U.S. Army officer is suing two police Virginia police officers after they pointed guns at him, pepper sprayed him and pushed him onto the ground during a traffic stop last December for what the officers believe was a missing license plate on his new SUV. The lawsuit uh, by second lieutenant Coron Nazario, who is black and Latino, is seeking one million in com- com- compens- compensation. It says compen- compensatory, comp- compensatory, excuse me, compensatory damages. Claiming two Windsor Virginia police officers violated his rights guaranteed under the First and Fourth Amendments. Uh, The suit filed against filed in district court first reported by the Virginia pilot claims unlawful seizure, excessive force, illegal search violation, his First Amendment right to free speech and common law assault uh, battery and false imprisonment. Okay, here's what I have to say about it. I feel like, first of all, um, to, to start it off. Um, they had been following him for around a mile, mile plus at that time. So honestly, as an officer, if I'm following somebody for an extended amount of time, I may think they may not be up to be up to no good. Right. So let's start off there. So they follow him for a while. But and then he has his gun drawn, telling him to put his hands out the window. The guy does it at that point. When the guy does that, you can still like you can still salvage that situation. And then he said, I pulled over to a well-lit area. That should tell you that he was scared as an officer, Mm -hmm. right? Like initially, like I mentioned, if you're a cop and somebody you're following them for that long, or they, you don't know if they're trying to hide something or something's not right. Wait, why did he get pulled over? Uh, Because he was missing a license plate. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they pulled him over for that, but he had been driving for a while to find a well-lit area. But as a cop, you don't know why that person's doing that. Mm -hmm. You can't properly even identify what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll give the police one out of the many things they fucked up on. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So fine. They have the guns draw. Get out the car. Put your hands out out the window. So they tell the guy to put his hands out the window. He does that. He said he needed to go to a well-lit area. I think at that point, the officer should have said, okay, you're doing that for your safety. Well, I have my gun for my safety, right? Keep your hands. That's exactly what dude did before in New Mexico. Yeah. He said, put your, hand me your gun for my safety. Mm-hmm. Like he kept saying things for my, like, I, I want to be respectful, but this mm-hmm. is what I'm doing for my own safety. Right, right. But he, the, guy, the, the officer was killed, did a much better job than this guy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Much better job. Rest in peace to him, too. Yeah. Um, and he, he had the gun pulled on the, the, the soldier. And the soldier was like, why are you pulling me over? And not once did the fucking cop tell him why. Mm-hmm. He kept saying, put your hands out the window now. He said, what, what's going on? I don't even know what's going on. Can you calm down? He said, get out the car now. And he just yelling and screaming. The, the cop was hell bent on escalating the fucking problem. Yeah. He, he, there was no peace. Then you got a second cop with a gun drawn on you. If you have, and then he says, get out the car. You got one cop telling him, get out the car. Another cop telling him, keep your hands out the window. Uh, that's how you get killed. You have two cops yelling different shit, giving you different commands. And you got a seatbelt on. And you got a seatbelt on. 
That's why I was like, I, I was thinking the whole time, like, I hope he doesn't take his seatbelt off. Fuck no. He said, I'm afraid to reach for anything. And then he said, he said, I'm afraid to get out. This is where the cop got fired. He said, I'm afraid to get out of the car. The cop said, you should be. Yeah. That was a threat. Yeah. That was a threat. I'm definitely not getting out now, motherfucker. You just threatened me. And then the dumbest thing he said, the, one, the second dumbest thing he says, you fixing to ride the, the lightning, son. What does that mean? Ride the lightning. I think it's a song by, uh, fuck. Who is it? It's not Pantera. Who the fuck is it? I can't remember who it is, but it's a rock band. Mm-hmm. He said, you're going to ride the lightning, basically meaning you're uh, you about to get shocked with a taser. Oh. Yeah. You're going to ride the lightning, son. And it's like, it feels, to me, it feels like that cop is, is like, he was reciting the things he was going to say in a moment like that. Like, he, nigga, like he, he stands in a mirror like, you finna ride the lightning, son. No, no, no. Say it like this. You're going to ride the lightning, son. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Say it like this. He's one of those pussy. That's like the Truman Show type stuff. Right. Like he just think he, you know, he's just reciting lines from yeah. movies and whatnot. He's a motherfucker that should never be a cop. Okay, look. Everybody knows this type of person. You know the person that you work with and they get a supervisor job or something and they start treating everybody all strange and mm-hmm. they start acting power hungry and tripping out on people? Mm-hmm. This is the guy that's got too much authority. Yeah. You know, he just constantly yelled at this guy and then the soldier kept his hands out the window the whole time and he says, and he was scared. He did the right thing. Then he got pepper sprayed. He got pepper sprayed. He's like, man, that's fucked up. And then he continued to keep his hands out the window while dying from the fucking spray. Yeah. And he said, get out the car now. And then he says, I can't. Oh my God, that's fucked up. So then finally, he they was trying to open the door and the door finally got open. He still had his seatbelt on. He's like, get out the car and get on the ground now. The crazy part is they they are um, not concerned at all about the attire he's wearing. Right, they don't give a fuck. This guy's in the he's in the army. The fucking lieutenant. Yeah, that's so crazy to crazy. me that they don't care about none of that. No. And as far as you know, the hierarchy of you know what you mean to the country, you yeah. know, someone in the military is much more important than a police officer. Yeah, and you know the people say, well, it's not fair to do that. Well, I'm gonna keep it real. There's one person out there fighting for the freedom of this country, and there's another dude doing a job the wrong fucking way. I'm yeah. siding with the soldier every time, all day, yeah, all day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I have many uh, relatives that are in the military. Yeah, and, and a lot veterans. of veterans. And a lot of veterans just get no respect. They the veterans go to Vietnam and and come back, and now they have a drug problem, and they homeless on the street, and they can't even get no fucking help. Mm-hmm. You know, veterans come by. Was it twenty two? What was it? Twenty two uh, veterans a day. Yeah. What, what's the number? I, I, I mean, suicide. Yeah, I think yeah. it's per day. I believe. Yeah, I don't remember the number, but it's That's, something. It's ridiculous, man, and. You got some of the most forgotten yet important people to this country that you don't even have enough respect to pull them over and treat them with some fucking respect. Mm-hmm. Right. So they get the guy on the ground. They kind of rough him up. And then when he, once the guy finally gets out of the car, he has his hands up and he starts kneeing him in his leg. And he's like, get on the ground, get on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, dude, I'm telling you, I feel like some people that get positions such as as a police officer, it's almost like they get a hard dick for hurting people. Mm-hmm. It's like. Their life sucks so bad that they have to take it out on civilians. You need to remember you're a public servant. We don't serve you. You serve us. That's the difference. We pay our salary, too. Yeah. So you need to start speaking with some respect. Mm -hmm. The number one thing that fucked up this whole interaction was the fact that he had poor communication skills. He was a poor communicator. Off the the jump. 
Poor communicator. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, look, you're scared. You're in a well-lit area. What I'm going to do, this is what I would have did if I'm the cop and I got the gun. I said, you understand why I have my gun drawn, right? My gun is drawn because I followed you for a mile or so. You didn't pull over. That's very suspicious to me. Now that you have your hands out the window, I'm going to reach in your car. I'm going to unlock it with my hand. I want you to keep your hands out the window. Then I'm going to take off your seatbelt and ask you to step out. Boom. It's over. Right? I, th- I think also, too, not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. I think you you get a sense of we have a, you know, as humans, we're very intuitive that you know right. part of our biology or whatever that kept us alive for yeah. so many, you know, for so many millions of years or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, you get a sense of what danger is based off of the conversation. hundred percent. When I'm watching, when I'm, when I, I, so the first video we talked about, when I seen that, I was like, something's wrong. Something's up with dude. Yeah. He not giving him his ID. He dragging the thing on. You can't even hear what the dude is saying, Yeah. but you know, he just sitting in the car and he just taking too long to do the simplest task. Right. Yeah. But when you pull up on dude, he got his hands out the car. He got right. his army. Cooperation. Um, yeah, he's do, he's doing exactly everything he said. He's communicating the whole nine, and no, and he didn't, you know, uh, he wasn't combative or resistant or anything the whole time. That's something that anybody with any inkle of intuition would know. Like this dude is he chilling? He not he not yeah. on no he not on no nonsense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Then he, then he grabbed the dude's wrist and was twisting it all up while he was in the car. It's just like yo, I had an officer pull me over years ago. And uh, had me sitting on the curb for no reason during a, a basic traffic stop. T- mm-hmm. He told me that I was, uh, uh, well, I don't even know. Matter of fact, he didn't even give me a reason. Mm-hmm. He didn't even give me a reason to pull me over. He always said my music was too loud and my deck wasn't even in. We're talking about 2010. And I got pulled over many times after that and before that, but 2010. And he had me get out the car. And when he had me get out the car, he wouldn't tell me what's going on. And the way he was talking to me was so disrespectful. Yeah. I just told him, I said, look, I said, look, I respect your job, but I'm not some criminal that you pull over all the time. And, you know, that's that's not right. And he's like, oh, is that right? Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, the, I'm the one doing the talking here. I'm the one doing the talking. You understand me? And I was just like, dude, I'm not a criminal. You can, here's my you can run my license, do whatever you need to do, man. But I'm not whatever you're looking for. This ain't it, man. And you could just tell. First of all, I think the cop was fucking racist. I'll be honest. Okay, we have to realize race problems exist in America. Let's cut this pussy shit out. Everything's about race, man. I don't understand. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. In a country where there was fucking 400 fucking years of slavery and black people barely getting action to be human beings after hundreds of fucking years, there is a residual effect of that. So let's stop acting like racism ain't real and it's over. Mm-hmm. We're not that progressive as a country. I don't think the average person's just this racist piece of shit, but racism definitely exists and it's been proven to be in police departments. Okay. Yeah. So and let's progressive stop. insurance is bad as well. What? You mean flow? <laughs> flow is good, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, look, at the end of the day, I've had some shitty officers. I've had officers that I had to uh, apologize to. There was a cop that pulled me over for, because my taillight was out. And I said, and I'm thinking like, I just changed my tail light. It's not out. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, man. All right. And I kind of gave the cop an attitude. And then before the cop left, I got out and looked at my tail light. It was out. I walked over to the cop. I said, 
I'm sorry. If I was being disrespectful, you was just doing your job, man. And the mm-hmm. cop was like, all right, man, you have a good night. What I'm trying to explain is there is such a wide spectrum of police officers with different attitudes. Some racist as fuck. Some are doing their jobs. But at the end of the day, the ones that's bad need to be eliminated. Fire these motherfuckers and get them out of there. Yeah. Get what happens, out. too, is that the, the, these type of cops like that cop will do that to the uh, to the to the army uh, lieutenant. Right. And then he may get suspended for three months and then he'll be right back on the force. Yeah, right back on the force being a piece of being a racist piece of shit again. Yeah. And now now it, it's going to make the problem. First of all, bad cops make the department look bad. Mm-hmm. Make the, They make the department look bad and make cops look bad. I guarantee you it's cops that show up and their objective is to is to make sure that they're actually helping the community and trying to do something right. Mm-hmm. And, and they also want to go home safely to their families. Yeah. Right. But it's other cops that are like, I wish somebody would give me problems. I'll blow their fucking head off. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of those cops too, buddy. Don't look. They've caught this cop. There was a cop that they caught and, and he was uh, this dude had his camera phone on in the back seat and a cop came up to the to the window with his gun drawn, pointed at the driver and the driver said, oh, my God. He said, don't you fucking move. I swear. Don't you give me a reason, you piece of fucking shit. Mm-hmm. And he had the gun drawn on him and he sent that to the department and the cop was fired immediately when the cops should have been in prison for that mm-hmm. right so these are the type of people that exist not only in the world but they exist in serious jobs there is a registered nurse that's going to be responsible for somebody fucking dying there's a doctor that's going to do malpractice there's a cop that's going to blow somebody's fucking head off for no reason mm-hmm. they need to be fired now because mm-hmm. if you keep them on there they're going to be there's going to be another black kid getting his fucking head blown off or another person there's going to be something else going on i know black people aren't the only ones that get shot by the police folks i understand that but it tends to be black people getting killed the most fucked up ways man yeah it's I'm, weird yeah even with the Derek Chauvin situation like he had all he had a laundry list of stuff that he was doing yeah. right yeah so i'm just like that they, they just keep it just keeps going on and on and on and right. on and on you, I, you know what? I, you'll be hard pressed to see a cop doing this shit, putting a knee on somebody's neck till they die for nine minutes out in the middle of Rosedale. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to see. Now, here's the thing. In Oildale, I think them cops going to have to rough some of them up out there. <laughs> That's a little bit different. <laughs> Somebody's on meth. You can't be gentle with them. <laughs> Somebody on meth, you be on their neck for nine minutes. They'll be like, That's all you got. <laughs> That wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> but look, man, I, I like get to the meat and potatoes. Basically, they did a fucked up job with that interaction with the soldier. Um, they had no reason to be doing what they were doing. They could have totally dis, uh, uh, de-escalated the problem. You know, once they seen he wasn't a threat, they could have got him out the car, explained the situation, wrote him a ticket and moved on. And if you watch the whole video, I think it's like over 20 plus or 45 minutes, however long it is. At the end, the cops basically admitted that they was wrong. It's like, you know, it could have been easier, you know. And then the cops said some racist shit at the end. I don't know if you caught it. Did you Mm-mm. see it? Mm-mm. The police officer told him, he says, we, you know, we know what's going on in the world. We, you know, what's going on with other people. We know what's going on with y'all. And, you know, that's what he told him. Yeah. That was a poor choice of words. Yeah. We know what's going on with y'all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dog, at the end of the day. Putting on a badge will never... They talk about the police need more training and the police need this and that. I don't really think that's true. I think when you put on that badge, it does not change the way you were raised and what's in your heart and mind. There's not enough training to wash out the shit that you've learned. Hate 
ignorance, all that shit is a learned behavior. Yeah, I think tra- training is uh, training can help, but I think it's more so you need a better vetting process. Yeah, exactly. You need to actually have decent interview. And we talked about like, you know, my brother wanted to be a sheriff and, you know, they called us and they asked us the questions and stuff like that. So it's just crazy to me that, you know, somebody like my bro- brother, who in my eyes is an upstanding citizen, um, won't get a job. But in Bakersfield, we know of multiple, um, you know, accusations and, you know, sheriffs and police officers serving jail time, whole nine, you know, and you got these police officers that we're seeing on a daily basis committing real crimes out here and getting away with it. And, you know, like, like I said, my brother wasn't uh, able to become a sheriff. So it's just like, it's crazy that I don't, I don't know what the, 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 uh, what the tests are like or what the interview process is like, but something is, is going on in there and it's, it's not right. Not at all. I, I think that some people that get these jobs are great liars. Mm-hmm. I think that they know exactly how to fuck the lie on these applications. Yeah. And they're getting these jobs, man. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. When you're in, whenever you become an adult and you take on serious jobs, they take, that, that means there's a serious responsibility. If you're a California Highway Patrol, that's a very serious job. If you're a truck driver like I am that hauls fuel, that's a very fucking serious job. Mm -hmm. Okay? So you can't do these jobs half-assed. You don't work at McDonald's. You can't. If you work at McDonald's, you you could burn up a batch of fries and then just get another batch and put it in there. Mm -hmm. But we're dealing with human lives. Yeah. You shoot and kill that person, you can't just wake them up again. They dead, mm-hmm. right? Which leads us to another police situation. Dante Wright. Here's the thing. Do I think it's smart to remotely try to flee the police in any capacity? Fuck no. Mm-hmm. That ain't smart. It's been seen over and over. But does that mean they need to blow your head off? No. Does it give them an excuse to say, oh, I didn't know it wasn't a taser? Fuck no. How long you been doing this goddamn job? You've been doing it, what, 25, 26 years. Mm -hmm. The weight of a gun and taser are different. The feel in a taser and gun are different. You've been, you've been, I think the person, I think she was also doing training at that job. Mm -hmm. How the fuck do you fuck up that bad? I wonder, sometimes I wonder if people do things, but no one knows how to break the law better than cops. I mean, they are the law. They are the law. Yeah. Right. So knowing that she probably felt like, look, I know that if I say taser, 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 and I actually have my gun and I shoot him accidentally, then I'll just be exonerated or whatever the case of whatever charges. When it's like, yo, Plies made a great point. He said, you know how many young, young men made mistakes and sold drugs and ended up in prison? You can't, they, they can't make that same claim. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a serious job. I haul fuel. You know, look, did you know that if I was to get in an accident and kill an innocent family, right, I would be investigated <laughs> like they would investigate my phone when I was on it, what time I was on it, what I was looking at and a timestamp. And if I was on my phone, I would be in serious, serious trouble. Mm-hmm. OK. Mm-hmm. And. That's what needs to happen here, man. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think that the, it's that's just a, 
uh, it's it's a cheap excuse. Yeah, I don't even that doesn't even make sense to to anybody. I don't even right. think that makes sense to them. I think, like you said, they just understand yeah. the law and they know that because. Yeah, I farted. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad the mics didn't pick it up. <laughs> nah, I, I think I think. You know, when when you it's it's kind of like one of those things you've we've seen the movies before where something bad happens with the police or even you know something bad happens with a, a, a duo of criminals or something like that and the one guy's like yo you know wrap the body up like yeah put it in the back and you know clean it up get some bleach and you know what I mean they always have like this uh, this idea or this the steps in order to kind of wrap up you know whatever crime or whatever they committed I think that the same thing happened with this. They probably shot the dude intentionally because they were afraid of their life. Maybe who knows? Right. And then when it came back to actually articulating what happened, they probably sat down and thought about it and was like, "Okay, let's just tell him that I was supposed to be reaching for my taser when I was reaching for my gun." Right. And then that's what they they brought forth to us. But I think the the sad part about it for me, and we we talked about this before, is. Oftentimes, there's this real gray area when it comes to a lot of these uh, police brutality situations, right? Right, right. Um, we t- I forget the the guy's name, but the one that turned his back on the police officer and he went and hopped into his car. Um, or, oh, you know, I forgot. Even, you know, the Dante Wright situation, you right. know, he's, he's, he's uh, resisting arrest and then he's getting yeah. in his car and stuff like that. And it's, t- it's very, it, it makes it harder for us as people who genuinely care about our culture and uh, genuinely care about our people to hop on the mic and present uh, a great argument for um, the people on the opposite side. Right. You know what I mean? The, 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 the U S army l- lieutenant, that's, it's mu- it's easy. We, yeah. And you probably since the, the, the extent in which we communicated about the situation, if you put right. a timestamp, you know, as far as when we started talking about it, so we finished, it was probably, maybe 20 minutes or something like that. But this situation is, is much more difficult for us as, you know, to, to present an argument. All we can say is that, you know, she's probably lying about reaching for, uh, taser. reaching for her You're taser. A fucking liar. But at the same time, like the, the arrest was going pretty smoothly, um, up yeah. until, you know, him trying to hop back into the car. Yeah. So it's, it's just tough for us to come on here and be like, you know, this person should do this and, you know, uh, to protest and march and all multiple, this kind of stuff. Multiple things are true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my take on it. I just wish that we as a, a people would make these things a, a little bit more clear cut for, for, um, you know, the people that are trying to, uh, to, create this equality or, you know, get rid of these police officers that are doing bad out there. Like the first two situations we talked about was it's, it's crystal clear that police officer was doing a great job and he just got murdered by a coward. And you know, the, the U S military, uh, the U S army Lieutenant, same thing. He was doing everything that they asked to him, even though they were contradicting himself and he was still getting beat up and whatnot. So it's just, right. it's tough. I just think that, I think that it's important to be as, as objective as you can and also see the fact that so many things are true, not just the things you want to be true or the things you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, what's also true is jump to another one, the 13 year old boy that was shot in Chicago. Mm hmm. And people was like, he was a loving child, this, that, and the third and whatnot. And I'm not here to say he wasn't, but he was up late with somebody that had just shot at the cops. Mm-hmm. He took off running and tossed the gun behind the fence. 
Yeah. The video shows him tossing the gun. Do I think a 13-year-old should have been shot? No, but I also think that the cops trying to go home also. I'm not here. I'm not here trying. Huh? Even in the first situation, mm-hmm. when, when the guy in New Mexico shot at the police officers, right. they killed him. The police officers killed him. They did. So I'm saying that's a that's a normal response for anybody. If right. you shoot one of mine, are you involved in shooting one of mine? Like there's they're not going to hold any hold any punches when it comes to dealing that's with a fact. you. Yeah. Yep. The police after he killed that cop, he went on a high speed chase. They stopped him, and then the dude tried to get out and shoot at the cops again, and they fucked him up. Yeah, they got out shooting at his ass. Yeah. They, right? they knew they, they wasn't trying to arrest him. No, nah, he was already armed and dangerous. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't nothing you could have did. Mm-hmm. But the, some uh, older person that was with the young man was shooting at the police. Mm-hmm. And the young boy had his hands up and everybody's saying he had his hands up. This isn't right. But behind the fence was a gun. Mm-hmm. In the video, it shows the young man looks like he's tossing something behind the fence. We cannot deny what the fuck was on video. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to paint a narrative that cops are bad people. Cops be fucking up. Some cops are straight up racist. Okay. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you can't just acknowledge what cops are doing and what people are not doing also. Yeah. We acknowledge the cops need to do a better job. They shouldn't just be killing people. There's enough g- legit examples for us to be reaching at every single. Exactly. You know, a storyline out there. Yeah, man. I just think that the the way that you the way you make progress in policing and public affairs is recognizing how as a collaborative we can do better. Mm. And the reason why I say as a collaborative, you think like, oh, Eddie, why you say it's a collaborative? The police is the one shooting people, not the other way around. False. A cop just got his fucking head blown off. Didn't you see that? Mm hmm. It's about being able, what can we do? Because this is an antiquated way of policing and public interactions. What can we do to stop this? You know what I thought about? And this, I don't think this is a genius idea, but I thought about the DMV connecting a code to your phone, right? And that number could be on the back of your car somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the only person that could call that number to connect to your phone is a cop. So when a cop pull you over, they call that number, you answer the phone. Hey, is there anybody? Is there any occupants in there with you? Oh, that would be that would be interesting. I need mm-hmm. you to step out the car. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need you to step out the car and pull your pockets inside out and stand on the back of the hood. Mm-hmm. If there's anybody in the car with you, have them step out also. Mm-hmm. Try to try to have a conversation over the phone that's cordial. We use our phones for everything, anyways. Mm-hmm. It's just there's we have to change the process in which people are getting pulled over because the public is in danger because if you got a cop. That is more afraid that he's pulling somebody over in the hood and it's just regular law abiding citizens. Because let's be clear, folks, law abiding citizens don't just exist in Rosedale. They exist on Cottonwood. Mm. It's a lot of people that's good people all over every ghetto, every hood in America. They get pulled over for no reason, get shot just because the fucking cop is scared because they're in the hood doing patrol. Yeah. Okay. So. This is to protect those people in those areas and to protect the police. We have to find a new process that allows the cops to not be walking up with a shaky gun. I think the most disgusting one we've seen, what was the dude's name that got shot with his kid and his girl in the car? Uh, I forget his that name. That wasn't Oscar Grant. No, Oscar Grant was uh, no, uh, somebody else. Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale Station. It's so many of them. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the uh, the black police brutality historian guy. Yeah, so I don't, that's names. not, you don't want to be there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. We ain't trying to get baseball cards. <laughs> that ain't a good one, man. 
But look, at the end of the day, I mean, look, this is a draining conversation to have, but we want to have the conversation in a different way that enlightens everyone, meaning that the Blue Lives Matter people that all, the only problem they see is with the black people that are getting pulled over and shot. Oh, Black Lives Matter, they're a terrorist group. And all these people getting pulled over, they could have just did this better, blah, 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 blah. Well, here, folks, at the at the top of the podcast, we mentioned that or not the top of the top of this conversation. We mentioned that the officer did a great job and was killed for no reason. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're looking at all these different things and so many things are true. We just want to make sure that there's a safer way for everybody. Mm-hmm. And another thing, too, there is a, definitely a racial undertone because it's weird how it, the, the media showed a picture of Dante Wright. And it says Dante Wright. No, what they want you to believe. And it shows Dante Wright, like mm-hmm. holding some little kid or whatever. And then in the next picture, they show him with a gun. Right. Mm-hmm. But then the same people will defend Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. This little ch- woman beating motherfucker. Kyle Rittenhouse is punching a girl in the head. He's punching a girl in the head, and it was all over Twitter, right? (laughs) This little bitch ass kid punching some girl in the head, and then goes to a protest with a gun, shoots people, runs towards the police with a gun, and they do nothing. Yeah. They do nothing to this kid. And then they found out that uh, local officials and some police officers donated to Kyle Rittenhouse's foundation. That's crazy. So if the, if you think there's not a racial undertone to the way a lot of people think, you're fucking stupid, mm-hmm. right? But at the end of the day, it's important to be objective and see all sides of these things. See the people that's doing good policing. See the people that's being blatantly racist. See the people that are trying to cooperate. See the cops that are not cooperating. What we can do better as a society in regards to when we're getting stopped by the police and our cooperation Because if a cop comes up to me and I'm like, fuck y'all, man, fuck everybody. I don't care. And I'm moving my hands everywhere Mm -hmm. and I get shot. Then it's like, yo, Mm -hmm. the logical thing to do is cooperate with the cop. And hopefully we both get out of here good. Me and Keith have been pulled over before with and the cop just pulled us over for literally no reason. Mm-hmm. Like literally no reason. He says, where are you going? All right, let me see your license. I show him my license. He said, oh, you're free to go. He never gave me a reason why he pulled me over. Nothing. I, we, me and Keith were clearly profiled, but mm-hmm. we did a great job of just being cool. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that, you know, just be cool and you won't get shot? I'm not saying that because there's been black people that's been cool and got their head blown the fuck off. So we're not going to go there either. But look here, man. Take away from this conversation what you will. Just understand we got a problem in America that needs fixing. And it ain't black and it ain't black people need to fix it. It ain't white cops that need to fix it. It's everybody right now. That's the only way it's gonna be fixed. Mm-hmm. If you say it's just the cops, then that means if a cop's doing his job and a person is yelling and screaming and flailing their hands, and then that cop that's actually trying to do a good job gets scared, gets scared, and he shoots you. If it's actually for a good reason, nobody gonna listen to that cop. Mm-hmm. If you put your hands in your pocket over and over and he tells you, please stop putting your hands in your pocket and he blasts you, people going to be like, just because he was putting his hands in his pocket does not mean he should have been shot. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more education. There needs to be more compassion. Police need to stop going into these areas all over the all over America and just shooting people because they I don't know, man. It's just this is a draining conversation to have. If you really knew the historical context of this, this is a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. It really is. The police, it's unfair to the police in a way, too, 
where they're being put in the middle of a systemic problem. Ghettos would never be around if it wasn't for redlining and housing discrimination that did, did, did not allow people of color to move out of these areas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then they're underfunded, underprivileged areas, uh, underserved areas. And it's like famine. It's people selling. You got 13 year olds walk around with guns. You're not going to see a 13 year old walking around in a gun with a gun in a suburb. Mm-hmm. They have an abundance of everything they need in these areas. Yeah. So it's a totally different conversation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a little got a little long in the tooth, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> you got anything else, Keith? No. All right. Let's switch gears to the next one. Um, switching gears. Um, who should pay reparations? I think there was a conversation of reparations that's been going on a lot. We, we, uh, we brought up the topic before. And with the topic, people, it's like if you're just Joe Blow, you're a white dude, and you're like, yo, I work at Target, bro. Like, why the fuck should I pay reparations? Mm-hmm. Like, why should I have this taken out of my check? I never owned slaves. And that's actually sound logic. Mm-hmm. You never owned a slave. Why the fuck should you have to pay reparations? Right. All right. Well, here's the conversation we're having. Um, there's tons of corporations that have benefited benefited off of the labor uh, the, of free slave labor. Now, let me go here. Where is it at? Okay. Uh, the article's not coming up. Okay, here it is. Um, there's so many corporations that have literally benefited off of uh, slavery and the slave trade. And it got to the point where they were using slaves as collateral. You know, you know how you can use your house as collateral, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, you know, to let the bank know they could leverage something. Mm-hmm. They leveraged slaves back then. Yeah. You could literally use slaves as collateral. And these same businesses are open. I'm going to read some of the names. Yeah. You got Lehman Brothers. Um, I'll just read their caption here. Whose business empire started in the slave trade recently admitted their part in the business of slavery. According to the Sun-Times, a financial services firm acknowledged recently that its founding partners owned not one, but several enslaved Africans during the Civil War era. And and that in all likelihood, it profited significantly from the slavery. Uh, That is the sad part of our heritage. We're deeply apologetic. It was the terrible thing. There's no one sitting in the United States in the year 2005, hopefully, uh, who would ever in a million years defend the practice, says Joe Potazzoli, whatever, General Counsel of Lehman Brothers. You got Lehman Brothers, you got J.P. Morgan Chase, recently admitted their company's links to slavery. Today, we are reporting that this research found that between 1831 and 1865, two of our predecessor banks, Citizen Bank and Canal Bank of Louisiana accepted approximately 13,000 enslaved individuals as collateral on loans and took ownership of approximately 1,250 of them when the plantation owners defaulted on the loans. The company wrote in a statement. Folks, when you say something as dumb as get over slavery, make sure you go to your bank and tell them, um, uh, I, I lost my fucking. I lost my fucking. I was like, damn, where is he going with that yeah. one? Look, man, your bank that you use, some of the most, some of the most profitable companies today, mm-hmm. benefited from slavery, mm-hmm. and the bulk of their the you know since that company's like inception started from owning African slaves. Yeah. How could you tell somebody to get over slavery when they got no stake in that? They got no money. Four hundred years of fucking free labor. Yeah. 
Just think about like, think about um, corporations. The, 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 there's corporations that are already extremely wealthy, right. like, you know, Apple and Microsoft and all that. Wachovia. Yeah. Imagine if all the, those companies didn't have to pay the people that are working for them right. and how much more profitable they would be. Like, you know, yeah. Apple, Tesla, these are like, you know, multi-billion dollars. I think Apple is in at a trillion or Amazon or uh, one of these. I think this is like a, I think Apple is at a trillion right now. Right? right. So imagine if they didn't have to pay people that work for them and how much more, how many more trillions of dollars that they would have. Um, and that's, essentially what happened in America. So it's, it's, it's like exponential, right? So we're picking, uh, cotton and, uh, textiles and all these kind of things. And from, from, uh, from there, it just starts to grow into this, uh, economic boom. Right. And that's 400 years of not paying people checks every two weeks. You know what I mean? And it's crazy. Uh, The thing about it, like that, that this whole argument about like, Oh, you know, I didn't own slaves, bro. Like, you know, why would I have to pay? First of all, like, you're not you're not going to directly pay. Uh, it's not going to show up on your your check stub as like a black reparations like that. That wouldn't even that there would be so people would be so enraged by just seeing that, especially you know, racist white people. They'd be like, "What the heck? I'm not doing that." It's, I ain't paying no <laughs> nigger tax. <laughs> yeah. But that it's not that's not how it's going to play out anyways. It's probably going to come out of your taxes. Right. And a lot of people a lot of people have like gripes about what people or what uh, the government does with their taxes. For the most part, we don't have a say so in what where our tax money. We goes. don't. But I, I don't I don't agree with people being taxed at all for reparations. I, I think that shit the, the government is extremely complicit in it. And these corporations need to pay up. The people don't got no stake in this. It should be these fucking corporations that need to pay up because they benefited for many, 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 many years. The places that we take our kids to have fun and mm-hmm. have slices of pizza and stuff. These motherfuckers own slaves. Yeah. And that's where they started the company off of free labor. But the thing about it, too, is that that all white people have indirectly benefited from whatever happened. If it's if it's twelve hundred twelve hundred slaves or whatever or 13 was it 12,000 slaves or whatever happened with JP Morgan um they have directly benefited from it right so they probably used that and they catapulted that into you know uh passing out more loans and then they get more money and more people from a historical context yeah like somehow that money from slavery affected the family and the wealth gap of America in general I'm just talking about J.P. Morgan right now. Oh, J.P. I'm saying Morgan. like, you know, they had slaves or they took uh, slaves as collateral at one point in time. And now they're probably one of the most uh, profitable banks you know, in the world. But at the same time, there are those are just businesses. But there are actual family dynamics that have benefited benefited from 100%. Uh, slaves and we don't know exactly, you know, everyone's family tree, but there I'm sure there are hundreds of thousands of people that have um that are living that had um ancestors that were slave owners yeah they just recently they paid like 7.2 million to like a black family Mm -hmm. because they stole some type of land this is within the last couple weeks yeah so that's what i'm saying so for those people that are like i don't own slaves like you that's what i'm saying we can't it, it wouldn't make sense just to tax those businesses because there's individual people that have also benefited from 
um, the same type of thing. They're just not an actual entity or they're not an actual company. They're mm. just a family. They're just their last name. You know Great what point. I mean? So that's why I say if it, if it came out of the taxes, first of all, um, if it did, if it did fine, we're paying however many billions of dollars for, you know, police officers that are shooting black people on a weekly basis. So if you just skimmed off of that budget, it, it wouldn't make much difference because, People have people are so invested in as far as like what what the government is doing with their tax dollars when they don't have much say so. Like I pay taxes every year. Right. And I would like it to go to, you know, maybe uh, schools in the hood or, you know, maybe uh, just different program for arts and stuff like that. But in reality, I just pay the money and I go on about my day. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen for the most part anyway. So I don't I, I, I never understood why people are so invested in like, you know, this is not with my tax dollars. This is not this is not going to happen. You know, you never dollars. had control anyways. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never fucking had control. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like the, the U.S. government to make people pay that were not responsible, though. Yeah. Because, you know, honestly, just looking at it to me. I understand what you're saying. That a lot of people, especially in America, white Americans have benefited and they don't realize that they have. Mm-hmm. They think like, yo, man, I work at Target. How the fuck did I benefit? Mm-hmm. But somewhere in your family line, somebody probably fucked it off. Mm-hmm. They probably had acres and acres of land. <laughs> and or then, a bunch of niggas on it. Yeah. Now it's all gone, mm-hmm. you know. But um, here's the deal. Um, another one. USA Today reported that New York based AIG comp- co- completed the purchase of American General Financial Group, a Houston-based uh, insurer that owns U.S. life insurance company, a AUS life policy on an enslaved African living in Kentucky, was reprinted in a 1935 article about slave insurance. An American conservative, conservative, conservationalist magazine, AIG says it has found documentation indicating a U.S. life insured uh, insured enslaved Africans. So the way you enslave, the way you uh, like insure your car is how they enslaved Africans. Yeah. So it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. slaves had full coverage insurance back then. <laughs> that's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. I'm not trying to crack slave jokes, but <laughs> that's nuts. Like it, what's crazy about me is how people have such a simplistic view of slavery. It was so long ago. Get over it. You don't deserve reparations. You already got uh, what's the, what's the fucking the college shit. Scholarships? Yeah. What, it, what the hell is it called? Uh, you already got affirmative action. Oh, affirmative action. You already got affirmative action. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, that takes care of slavery. We mm-hmm. already gave you Barack Obama. So one, <laughs> uh, who was it? Uh, Mitch McConnell said, I felt like black people already got reparations when they had Barack Obama as president. That was the most ridiculous shit I ever heard. That's How crazy. the fuck do you make people work for 400 years mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden say, oh, you know, they don't deserve reparations? Mm-hmm. Look, do you really want to know how deep slavery gets? Me and Keith don't even own our last names. Uh-huh. We didn't come to this country with believing in God or having all this shit. Yeah. We had our own culture. We Black people are the most different people. I didn't wear clothes until I got to America. Yeah, Keith was walking around here naked. Mm-hmm. Dick slanging everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> African hair and everything. <laughs> All the white man did was clothe me. That's all he did. Slave master looked at Keith and was like, damn, he thick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but seriously, man. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like, we don't even own our last names. Mm-hmm. You know how most people come to America, whether they're from Italy or Mexico, wherever they're from, they and their whole culture. they got their whole culture. Black people don't have a fucking culture. Mm-hmm. It's been so ravaged from the way that they came over here mm-hmm. on slave ships and stripped. Yeah. Completely stripped. Our so our culture is generalized. It's generalized. You know, we, we know we probably came from uh, West Africa. You know, we know we probably brought here on a slave ship for the most part and that's you know pretty much all we know do you want me to tell you how how not long ago slavery was let me explain the last living slave was interviewed in 1930 right mm-hmm. he was with the, one of the last ones on the slave ship the last recorded slave that was really alive was in the 30s right three years later my grandpa was born in 1933 mm-hmm. my grandpa just passed at 86 years old and i'm only 36 that is how not long ago slavery was. Mm-hmm. So according to this, oh, it was so long ago. Stop, do, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is properly educate yourself on what happened to people that were brought over here and the, the denial of wealth mm-hmm. that people were denied. You can say, oh, you can get over it. But, bro, if you have not historically had to go through what people and me and Keith People who people who look like me and Keith, if you have not historically went through what we have, don't you dare fucking say that. Yeah. Me. Here's the thing. I work for a living, man. I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking for that. Reparations is not a handout. It is the effort. You want me to look up the definition of what reparations means? Mm-hmm. So you motherfuckers really understand it. I couldn't tell you the, you know, the what it means. Dictionary like the diction verbatim. But. I can because I have Google and I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Shout out to Google. Shout out to created Google. Created by bro. a nerd. Right? Yeah, created by a nerd. Yeah. All right. Uh, reparations. Definitions. The making, the making of amends for a wrong one has done by paying money to or otherwise helping those who have been wronged. That is what reparations means. Nowhere, shape, and form, no no way, shape, or form does it say it's a fucking a handout. handout. Yeah. It's not a handout, you idiot. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. Stop pandering to your liberal or conservative biases. Now, it's a conservative bias. You're going to hear on Fox News, I'm not really interested in giving handouts to blah, 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 blah. Motherfucker, make sure you mention the 400 years of free, free labor that built this country. It, it, and the thing about it is a lot of these people that speak like that don't pay any money to anything anyways. No. Like they got a bunch of tax write-offs. They probably pay two or three dollars in taxes every year just because they know how to finagle the system and you know I'm put not some mad money over here, buy some and I'm not I'm not mad at them uh for I want to know either. how they did it. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm I, not mad at Donald Trump. I would either. never I would never be like, yo, Donald Trump needs to pay more taxes. Shit. I want to pay less taxes. Right. So, so me and Donald Trump need to have a conversation. Read, yeah, I'm going to call Donald Trump myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to see. The tax season is up on us. So yeah, man. I'm going to try to walk in there and not pay nothing. Don't myself. be so stuck in your echo chamber that you don't... It, don't be so stuck in your echo chamber and... To the fact that when people mention things like reparations, you get triggered and say, oh, my God, black people just want a handout for this and that. Uh, it's not a handout when you've done the fucking job. Now people say, well, you have a whole generation of people that were never slaves. Why should they get any money? Well, you know how many black people were affected? Not only people act like after slavery, everything stopped. 
the, the reconstruction of America was just as fucked up as slavery. Under the 13th Amendment, you could be arrested for no reason and legally put back into slavery in the prison system. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, come on, man. Like, there, the, America has not really been that kind to black folks, man. It hasn't. And people say, well, they use it as a crutch and the father is homes. And there are so many statistics that talk about the reason why it's hard and why there's a lot of single parent households when there's no money, when there's no economic growth. It has been proven that, you know, when there's no economic growth, people get divorces. The number one cause of divorce or one of the number one causes of divorce from a very general aspect is finances. People separate when there's no money in the fucking home. Mm-hmm. OK. The black family was strong back in the day because there was a time when there was a boom, especially during like, um, you know, the factory era where there's a lot of like in Detroit where a lot of people were working in factories and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, black people were very, very affluent, especially at that time. There was a lot of two parent households. But once that whole fucking industry blew up and then that's when the shit went to shit. Yeah, I think I think that the um, as far as the reparation goes, people, they're so quick to say um, that they don't want to pay it, but they also don't pay that much concern about where all of their tax money is going anyways. Right. It's going anything. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, as far as I don't, I honestly don't think most people know where it's going and I don't think they care that much where it's going. I think that for the most part, they just don't want it to go to help black people out. So that's probably, that's, primarily their 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 real objection. Can I tell you the truth here? What yeah. I believe and what I know to be true, and you could take this information any way you want. I think that people have made it up in their minds that black people are a waste of time. They mm-hmm. think that black people are lazy, that they're stupid, um, that they're ghetto, that they've created their own circumstances when they don't really know why ghettos even exist. Mm-hmm. Have you ever really looked into why ghettos even exist? You think that black people just stood up and said, you know what? We need more liquor stores. We need more single parent households. We need more drugs in our neighborhood. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. You've never looked into it, have you? When you get home or if you listen to this, look up redlining. That's one of the number one reasons why that is the number one reason why ghettos exist. Mm-hmm. That is the definition of ghetto is redlining. Mm-hmm. It's the most disgusting form of housing discrimination in American history. And by the way, if you served this country and you were a black soldier, you couldn't even use your GI Bill when you got back to move to a suburb because they would throw you out because you brought the value of the house. You brought the property value down by having a black home in a white neighborhood. So what either what happened is is one, you will get penalized and you will get penalized and kicked out of the neighborhood or you will be kicked out by white neighbors. This is written in the history books. I'm not making it up, folks. Mm-hmm. I know I know that the echo chamber that a lot of people have lived in have not allowed you to look into this, but mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to talk about it pretty. I'm not trying to talk to you in a way that makes you feel comfortable. The inf- I'm putting the information out there for you to look up, look it up yourself. There was even a time where there were some black people that got paid to go into these neighborhoods to play loud music, right? And that would spook white neighbors. This is a fact. They would pay black people to go into white neighborhoods and play loud music. And it would spook the neighborhood and they would say, no, we cannot have blacks in here. Mm -hmm. So no blacks were allowed to move in these places. They were stuck in this one one area for the longest. The housing discrimination didn't stop until the 60s. Matter of fact, Mm-hmm. I think it was 1968, I believe. See, this is crazy. This shit was not even that long ago where it wasn't legal to be fucked up. To, it was it was illegal to be fucked up to black people getting homes. 
How's the discrimination? Let's see. It'll tell you right here. I think it was 1968, I believe. Um, okay. Housing discrimination. God damn it. See, that's the thing that sucks, man. They pull up. It's okay. Here it is. Housing Discrimination Act 1968. There it is. The Fair Housing Act of 1968 prohibited discrimination concerning the scale, rental, and financing of housing based on race, religion, national origin, or sex. The Fair Housing Act stands as the final great legislative achievement of the civil rights era. Dog, 1968? Are you kidding me? It's only 2021. Dr. Martin Luther King died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 1968, they finally said, you know what? It's not right to. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yesterday, man. You got to realize American history is not that long. Guess we got to allow niggers in our neighborhood now. God damn it. There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> so, hey, folks, check it out, because, you know, I have a lot of buddies that happen to be black uh, that, you know, do well for themselves and ha- live in a neighborhood. But they're one of the only black guys and the, the black families in the whole area. Mm-hmm. And you think, like, why don't enough? Why don't that many black people live here? People will assume that, you know, black people are just fucking it off and they're lazy and they're dumb, whatever. Right. Whatever logic people have made up in their minds while living by nothing but white neighbors and they see black people not living there. Well, if they just got it together. No, it's because there was the biggest handout. One of the biggest handouts in American history was given to white people and not blacks. And people will say, oh, my God, now you're just being racist now. No, it's a fact. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's a fact that's where that's where suburbs came from mm-hmm. so and it's and it's unfortunate and it ain't your fault if you're white it's not your fucking fault this is for people who looked like you many years ago that mm-hmm. fucked the landscape up mm-hmm. that's that's the only reason why it's like that yeah i, I just think that the, the whole reparations thing it it's it's not a it's not a crutch it's not anything it's just I think more importantly, it's it's here just to uh, to even the playing field. Um, we I talk about it a lot. This idea of like uh, black people being in a hole, and you mm. know, in order for me even to be um, I have like a s- self sustaining way of living as far as like my finances go. Um, but my by no means am I wealthy, or by no means am I uh, you know am I balling out here. Yeah. But I think that what the reparations will do for people um, like myself who have some sort of financial literacy, it just, it will uh, put us in a position to where we can start to build that generational wealth. hundred percent. Well, you know, my children will be uh, better off, you know, they will grow up in a, in a better position than I did. You know, hopefully they won't have to eat top ramen and canned beans and whatnot. And, you know, they could, they, they don't, you know, they could, they don't have to be embarrassed by wearing the same clothes as last year and wearing two small shoes and all the all the stuff that you know right. we kind of grow up having to do normalizing think, that shit yeah exactly and it's a it's a joke now because you know we're we're in a position now to where we don't have to actually do those kind of things yep. but at one point in time that's some of the most embarrassing things um that can happen to a uh, to a young kid well, so okay i i found per definition what i was looking for earlier Okay, go to Google and look up how the suburbs started, right? Why is sub, sub suburbanation suburbanization happened? So where did the suburbs? Just when many middle and lower class white American families began their journey of upward mobility by moving out of suburbs, 
with the help of government spending and government programs such as, such as FHA and the GI Bill, many African Americans and other racial minorities found themselves systematically shut out. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Why is the growth of the suburbs in the 1950s? In the U.S., 1950 was the first year that more people lived in the suburbs than elsewhere. In the U.S., development of the skyscraper and the sharp inflation of downtown real estate prices also led to downtowns being more fully dedicated to businesses, thus pushing residents outside the city center. So during this time, man, this is... well, it's crazy. It's like a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. The shit that happened many years ago can affect the landscape today. People, and you notice that in every city, the landscape is the same. Most yeah. every ghetto in America, black and brown people. Is that a coincidence? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. You have, we, I mean, people have the power to move out of these areas, man. You, I mean, you don't have to, you're not forced living in the fucking ghetto now. But do you have the resources to get out? Yeah. Once if you here's the thing, if you are financially literate and you're good with your money, you can pass down that financial literacy and capital to your family. But when you got a poor generation, you pass down poor. Yeah. <laughs> you pass down poor, and then they pass down poor and then they pass down poor and you got poor, 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 poor. I guarantee you, if you watch the NFL or NBA drafts and you hear some of the guys talk, they'd be like, you know what? I'm so glad I made it, man. The first thing I'm going to do is buy my mom a house. And you get tired of hearing these stories, but it is it is a representation of what systemic oppression is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of white people out there that would be like scratching their head. Like, why are you buying your parents a house? Yeah. Like, why, did, why are you buying that? You don't, have, you don't owe them that. Yeah. But it's like, hell, uh, it's gotta- different in that community. Yeah. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. Uh, yeah, because we've been on this for quite some time. Uh, <laughs> switching gears. Um, we never show the process of success, mm-hmm. right? Um, the process of success is just like in an extreme. And what's weird is, is at, it's like if you watch somebody's weight loss journey, they'll be like 350 pounds. And in the next picture, they'd be like, 10% fat, they all lean and stuff. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. that's that's a great journey. But, you know, you don't, they don't really tell you everything. They don't tell you why they was losing weight. They lost their motivation. They quit for a while. Then they got back on it. Then a family member died and they got depressed and they had to find a way to lift themselves back up. And the, the, the route to success is not a straight line. It's a long, it's a long journey, man. Yeah. You just have to remain steadfast in that journey. But it's just weird. Like I, I, I seen a meme that I thought was pretty awesome, and it showed like um, a, it wasn't really a meme, but it was like I guess it's like a picture. And a girl showed a picture of a, of a air mattress on the ground, and then in the next picture, it just showed a, a real mattress with a um, with like a full headboard and everything. Yeah. And she said, "I'm so proud of myself." And then underneath the picture, it said, "Now this is the type of progress I like to see. This is realistic progress. Mm-hmm. Progress is good." She just got a bed, but that's great progress. You went from sleeping on an air mattress on the ground to actually having a real bed. A lot mm. of people don't. A lot of people don't like to put that on social media because it's not impressive enough. Yeah, but that's progress. That's what progress really looks like. It's very, it's incremental, and sometimes it's small. But you got to celebrate the small victories. Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes like we we um, we we admire 
different people, right? We admire celebrities. We admire athletes. We admire um, um, you know guys like Kobe, Michael Jordan, all these guys. But I think, um, like you said, we we kind of. I think first of all, like a lot of people don't show the progress, and I think a lot of people kind of dismiss the progress. Um, but I feel like you know to kind of go with your point. I think the most successful people are people that care about the process more than the actual results. So I think um, even now, I think the reason why Kobe Bryant's uh, interviews and stuff is so popular is because he talks about the process. Um, that That's like he gets excited about that kind of stuff. Like I was just right. watching a, a, a video on TikTok the other day and it was like, he was like, hey, if you wake up at nine o'clock and you train for a couple hours, Say you probably train till about 11, you take some time off, you get back at it a couple hours later, probably train again for a couple hours, take some rest, probably train again for a couple hours after that. By that time, it may be like, you know, six or seven in the evening, you you uh, you get home, you take a shower, whatever, go to sleep, get back at it again tomorrow uh, morning at 11 a.m. or something like that, or, or eight or like 10 a.m. or something like that. And you do that whole process over again. He's like, that's cool. He's like, but for me, I wake up at like three or four in the morning. I get two hours of work in. Uh, after that, I, you know, take recover, get my body, get some, get some food in me or whatever. Um, maybe take the kids to school. Then I get right back at it again. I'm training for a couple more hours. So he was saying like over the course of uh, 10 years or whatever, I'm putting in an entire uh maybe one or two entire more workouts every day, excuse me, than my competitors. So over time, I'm just, I'm just stretching out the gap as far as like the competition goes and they can't catch up no matter how hard they're putting, no matter how much work they're putting in or how hard they're working over the course of their career, I'm getting in one entire whole workout more than they are. There you Um, go. So that, that's the type of stuff that, um, you know, we don't really see or don't really hear, but that's the type of stuff that, like I said, you know, as far as a person that wants to be successful, that's what we should hone in, hone in on um, just these conversations or the the process, because we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like if you're if you're an athlete and you're like, yo, I want to be a great basketball player. Right. Um, there's no reason to be like, dang, I don't know what I should do. It's like, it's already there. You just literally that video that I showed you with Kobe Bryant. He was like, oh, "Okay, I wake up at three or four a.m. and I work out and I do that until I fall asleep, basically." So that the the proof is in the pudding. Um, but I think sometimes, like you were saying, I think there's a lot of, especially on Instagram and social media and YouTube and stuff like that. There's a lot of these like um, instant, instant wealthy people. You know mm, what I mean? Right. They they'll go from like um, they most of the time they don't even show like like you said they don't they even show, show the, process, the they don't man. show the Honda they just show like oh I got a million subscribers I, I just bought a Lamborghini today let's go check it out and they're doing reviews on Lamborghinis and stuff like that yeah. but I think the thing that is more relatable to anybody else that's trying to be successful is the process yes. if you're a musician and you're not looking at Russ and trying to see like yo what did he do oh he put out a song every week right. oh uh you know, like I said, Kobe Bryant or anybody, there's multiple examples out there, but that's the stuff that is really, um, that's really valuable to somebody else. Not the, the actual successes, success is relative. Yes. So that's why it's not that important, but the idea of like the progress, the progress is more relatable to anybody. So, yes. 
I think that look at the end of the day, like there's not a there's not a moment that I don't think about you know my own personal pro- progress, mm-hmm. you know, and you know back in the day it was a time where I was riding a get bus, I was riding public city transportation, mm-hmm. I had no car for a while, you know what I'm saying, and and I think about that from going from that to getting a car and then you know ultimately getting two cars and being blessed enough to have a job that takes care of everything, you know, whether I, I could pay all my bills and still got money, mm-hmm. you know, and, and make no mistake, I'm not out here trying to act like I'm something I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I'm blessed, but it was a process. Mm-hmm. It took me being poor for many years and not managing my money right and not having resources, all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm still ascending. I'm still trying to be my higher self. Like I mentioned, I'm not where I want to be in regards to you know, uh, everything, you know, I'm still working on myself as a man. There's, there's things that I need to do better, but it's a process, man. Mm -hmm. I'm, but I'm, what I'm definitely not going to do is get on social media and start acting like I'm somebody I'm not. I don't, I don't ever want anybody believing I'm better than what I am. Yeah. Because that means I got to live up to that. And that's every time they see you. Yeah. Every Mm -hmm. time they see me, I got to be the guy that's just the, the, the rich guy with a bunch of money. And that's totally not who the fuck I am at all. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a lot. I think that's uh, we see that a lot, especially here locally, because, you know, Bakersfield is not a, a very like successful as far as like arts and stuff like that. Like yeah. it's not it's not a lot going on. We don't have you know, we don't have like, uh, you know, extremely successful um, rappers or extremely successful podcasters or comedians or anything like every all of us are kind of peers and we're all pretty mm-hmm. much on the come up. Um but sometimes some people like to inflate um, their results. Like, right. I, like I seen a guy, he was he was uh, he was like celebrating a million streams on his song. And I was like, oh, yeah, we talked about this. And I was like, oh, it's dope. So let me go check. You know, for me, I'm a pessimist. So I'm like, I don't believe nothing. Nobody. Where's the receipts? Believe, motherfucker? I don't believe none of you niggas. Uh, <laughs> Where's but, the receipts? motherfucker? Yeah. So, I, you know, I went to check the. Uh, check the numbers in it it wasn't it wasn't nowhere nowhere near right. uh, a million streams and you know maybe it's on a platform that i don't have or whatever but for for from what i seen it wasn't real um and that's the same like you were saying like skipping those steps like it would it would be so you would have so much more authenticity or you would get so much more um love if you was like yo uh last my last song got 15 streams this new song got 30 streams. I appreciate y'all for rocking with me. And it and if the and if the content is genuinely good, it's gonna be people out there. They might be like, yo, that's a that's a little bit. But for the most part, the people that really rock with you is gonna be like, yo, that's dope. You gotta keep pushing. You know, when you when the next song drop, you're gonna get 45 listens. And then the next song you're gonna get 60. You just gotta stay consistent. Even with us, when we was dropping, you know, our numbers, we was just uh, dropping them with appreciation, like yo, this yeah. is the first podcast I got a hundred uh, listens. Yo, there this you is go. you know, yo, we got thirty thousand uh, overall listens on our thing, and you know, this, this we're just talking about the progress. We never um, try to inflate it because we no. understood that there are people that listen to us just because they like the content, and there's also people that listen to us because they have uh, they look up to what we right. do. 
Um, and if they ever found out that, yo, these niggas, this nigga Eddie and Keith, they over here acting like they doing this and they not really doing that. True. They acting like they got a million views or a million listens. And, you know, they ain't, I looked at they spot, they SoundCloud numbers and it ain't even like that. It's like, no, we, we try to be transparent because like I said, we know that there are people and there have been people that hit us up like, yo, we want to start a podcast or yo, we want to do this. Right. And you know, that transparency is for those people and it's also for the, the like the day ones you know and you know i personally am a fan of uh certain artists and stuff like that and i've been a fan of certain people before they actually blew up right. and once you see the progress you, you know it, it it makes you um appreciate them as content creators artists uh, musicians whatever more so like yo i remember when such and such had ten thousand fan or ten thousand instagram followers or whatever and i i was rocking with them since then and then now you see them they boom and they got um a blue check mark and um you know hundreds of thousands of followers on on instagram or whatnot and like yo like i seen it from i seen it from the jump and you know i seen the progress so um yeah that's that's pretty much it yeah there's that man at the end of the day man just just make sure um you don't look at someone else's life as a metric for the for as don't don't look at someone else's life as a metric for success mm-hmm. you know it's just success is not a straight line i don't want to keep you know running over the same shit but don't also look at someone's life and say i should be married or have a this type of car by this certain time that's not how success works mm-hmm. the way their life worked maybe they were an overnight success but your life is going to be a lot different but it's going to be so much sweeter when you actually appreciate your own process I, th- I think kind of going into that point of like relationships, that was, a, um, I think, I think even a lot of relationships don't really, or what we would see as like successful relationships or people that have been married for years and years and years or whatever, they don't even, um, have that transparency about like how they got to the position where they got to. Right. Like you think of like, not necessarily Barack Obama and, uh, Michelle, because you know, they're, they're, He's a former president and whatnot, uh, so they, <laughs> they can't have they can't have that level of transparency just because of who he is. But you know, somebody who we as a society would deem as like though that ideal relationship, um, oftentimes they don't they don't speak about the the times that they had to go to therapy or the yeah. times where they separated or the times where somebody was sleeping on the couch or the times where such and such moved out and, you know, got a little apartment on the side or whatever. I don't think Barack ever slept on the couch, bro. He just seemed like he too smooth. I'm not talking about Barack Obama. I'm talking about just successful uh, people we would deem as like successful relationships. I just think like, you know, that would help other people out because, you know, if you in your own personal relationship is going through something where you like, yo, like, let me take a break because, you yeah. know, this is not working out for me. You might, you may be like, oh, okay, this is part of, you know, the, the ebbs and flows of dealing with another human being. And, you know, you might be like, Oh, we can work through this. We can get back to a solid position. If we go to therapy, if we, you know, if we learn how to communicate, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of those other things that we could. Transparency would be this. If you're a married person and you want to be transparent about the process of actually, you know, coming to terms that you love somebody and you deeply care about them, but you still make mistakes. Like, yo, this morning I called my wife a bitch and she almost left me. Yeah. Like that's the real shit that goes on. Yeah. That like a woman, like, yo, I caught my husband talking to this girl and you know, they've been exchanging texts, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, but we're going to therapy to get over it. Like that's what real relationships are. They not this Instagram, 
uh, uh, quotes and sayings like, if you hold me down, I'll hold you down for life and all this bullshit. That's not mm-hmm. how relationships work. Relationships, yeah. it's like you gonna look at time, you gonna look at that person and be like, man, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, what be so trash about it too is that they just they be so happily in love, and then they just delete all the images yeah. that they got that they have together. Yeah. What happened? And I'm just like, man. What happened to the old? Like it'd be people like I want that old school love and this and that. It's like you don't know what the fuck nothing is. Yeah, I feel bad. I have a cousin. I feel bad for him. I just found this out today. Um, and he, he loved his girl. And you could tell she was always like we'd have like family functions and she would be pulling up and she yeah. was always around. I think they actually lived together for a little bit. Oh, shit. And I was like, I was like, I've been seeing him and I don't know where she at. And you know, that it's it's never OK to be like, I, I think it is OK if you actually concerned. But you don't you you don't want to bring up that kind of thing because it might be it might be the wrong Source time. Part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, in my mind, I was like, I'm not gonna ask him, like, "Yo, where your girl at?" Because um, I don't know. You never, you know, you never know these days. And I just asked my mom. I was like, "Yo, like, mom, what, what happened to, what happened to such and such's girlfriend?" And she was like, "Why? What happened?" And I was like, "Oh, I just haven't seen her at like any of the things. Like, is they they break up or whatever?" And she was like, "Yeah, he cheat. Uh, she cheated on him." Oh. And she was like, "She was like, his mom was telling her not to take her back again and stuff like that." Oh. But it was just this is kind of a low key tangent. But it was it just it, it just hurt me because I was like, "Dang, man!" Like you know, and you know, as men, um, especially men, when you come from a certain kind of household, you you love deeply. You know yeah, what I mean? You'd, right. be, you'd be wanting these relationships to work out. Hell yeah! And I could tell, like for him, like you know. It, as much uh, admiration he would um, pre- present to her in public and always having her around. Right. Like he really loved her. And for, for a girl to do that to him is just like, it's devastating. Yeah, that, that would be devastating for me. Mm-hmm. Especially like you get to my age now, if you, you know, I, you get with somebody and you care about them or something and they treat you wrong. And man, that shit would tear me up, dude. Yeah. I would, I would accept it. I think that I would be, obviously now I'd be more accepting of it and be like, okay, this didn't work out. I got to move on. But it would hurt. Yeah, it would deeply hurt. Like it would, it like the the idea that men break up with women and they don't be hurt. That's the biggest lie ever told. Mm-hmm. That that shit would have me crying if I really, 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 really wanted to be with the woman and she did me like that. Oh my god, devastating! That, it'd be devastating. Yeah, but you, I mean, you obviously would get over it, but you don't be like just get over it overnight. Yeah, that ain't how it works, man. Mm-hmm. On this podcast, we're transparent about our feelings here. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to portray myself as a tough guy. Yeah. If you know, at the end of the day, I'm very responsible with my feelings. I do not. Uh, I do not exercise my feelings on every woman I come across. I understand who might be responsible and who's not. Mm-hmm. But if I make a choice to exercise my feelings and you take them for granted, you goddamn right, I'm going to be hurt by that. Yeah. And I hope you would feel bad for making me feel like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Not good, man. Not good. Well, it looks like we're coming to the end of this podcast, but we got a treat for you guys. Keith just released his latest song, his latest single called Backseat. (laughs) It's a hell of a song, man. And appreciate it. We're going to end it. We're going to end it a little bit different this week. Yeah. Uh, we're going to slide that song out. This is the smooth sounds of K-Fings. All right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to end this podcast and then we're going to put that uh, song at the end. So if you made it to the end of this podcast, we appreciate you, man. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, Kate Fings. We out of here. Peace. Tall in the back seats, girl, you got that mac cheese. Oh my gosh, you nasty. Windows tenant, they don't even know who in it. If this is a race, then you know who winning. Stretch it like the seventh in it. I know how to get that baby. I don't even need a map. Turn around, bend it over, throw it back. Long snap, fogging up the windows like we smoking endo. You said you were nympho, then bust it down like tempo. Like Ali, girl, you got that drip, drip built like I'm serving it Maui. I'm crafty with a little space, you classy with a little freak. Kisses all over your neck, might make you do the stanky leg. That's legs trembling, uh, adrenaline. We get it in twice, imminent, girl. You know when I'm in my bag, it hit different. When it comes to body language, baby, you know why I'm listening, girl. You got that fire on me, lighters, that's it, it, it.